I'm Holly. I'm Leslie. And we We would be be dead. Happy Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're getting it in just under the wire, which is totally my fault. But life is unpredictable. And what can you do? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I feel that. I think we all do. <laughs> it's just a wild time in it general. Sure is. Always <laughs> and forever. <laughs> I've just come to the conclusion that it never is going to settle down. No. Nope. It's always mm-hmm. the same. So today we are talking about the mysterious and I would venture to say suspicious death of Tamla Horsford. And for those of you who might kind of have bells ringing at that name and recall this case, Tamla was the woman who died uh, from falling off a balcony at an all-football mom sleepover. Or at least that's how it is posited that she died. Mm. She was also the only Black woman in attendance at this event. And there are a lot of questions surrounding Mm. what actually happened to her. This case is very frustrating. I'm just going to warn everyone right now. I keep saying I'm not going to do another unsolved case. And then technically this one isn't unsolved. Technically it is solved. But is it? So, yeah, it's going to be frustrating. I know for me, it makes my face just grow more and more haggard by the minute. Mm, Yeah, I can see it wearing on you. It's terrible. Ugh. I'm afraid what I'm going to look like when I'm done, to be frank. Ooh. Yeah, it's not going to be good. I don't even want to get there. I'll have to hide my face behind one of these curtains. Awful. Yeah. I'll just... I'll but just, then you'll be velvety smooth. I will. The studio <laughs> is lined with green velvet curtains. Um, so, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. But I have tried every remedy known to humankind to perk my tired face up, but none of them have worked. Hmm. However, I do remember hearing the legend of one magical mm. ingredient that can take care of everything I just mentioned in one shot. And that ingredient is just a little pinch of validation, a hill worth dying on. I like when it gets soulful. Do, 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 If you missed that episode, you're confused. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. You'll catch up. It's I, fine. It's fine. I have faith in you. Uh, that's right. Validation. And Leslie, <laughs> our friends can give us this priceless ingredient totally free of charge. <gasps> but how? But how, you must be asking yourself. Oh my God, with <gasps> anticipation. Extra excited this week. <laughs> well, I will tell you. Simply head on over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and or a friendly review. I feel like we just woke everyone up. We did. <laughs> this is like a boarding person. <laughs> like, man, they're getting it right wow. now. <laughs> But it really is the only way to move this podcast forward. Ratings and reviews equal attention. Attention equals support. And support equals more and better content for all of you. So nice, isn't it? But if you just cannot wait for more, we would be dead in your life. And who could blame you? Don't worry. You don't have to. (gasps) Yeah, you can support us over on Patreon. Spooky this time. I like going deep. I just love it. It's a soulful moment. It feels right. For me, (laughs) 
Yeah, it looks right. Yeah. It's really digging it in the depths yeah. to surprise us all. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. You have a soulful voice. Soul. Just an old soul. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so on Patreon, for just a few dollars a month, you will gain access to our entire catalog of 30-minute horror movies, our special mini-sodes, our weekly after show, Host Mortem, which is available in both video and audio formats. Maybe you want to see our faces. Maybe you don't. Both are okay. You'll also get a special gift in the mail from us, the opportunity to participate in some giveaways, uh, some merch deals, an on-air toast dedicated just to you, and more. In all honesty, we are here thanks to our patrons, so come on over and be part of the We Would Be Dead family. Yeah, come on down. We had so much fun at our first Let's Talk Docs with our patrons this week. We really did. It was super fun. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're a patron and you didn't have the chance to come, I totally understand. First of all, that was our first one. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, just uh, try and come to the next one. It's going to yeah. be a really good time. And thank decide. you so much to those that did come. Yeah, if you were there, thank you. We had a great time with you. Yeah. And you helped us kind of, you know, figure out how to go forward with it. And It, it was, was so interesting to hear everyone's observations. Yeah. Because we we discussed the new Gypsy Rose prison confessions mm-hmm. documentary. And it's just everybody seemed to observe slightly different things and mm-hmm. have slightly different questions and have read slightly different, you know, follow-up stuff. So it was really cool to pool all of our information together and kind of like get into what was happening. Mm-hmm. So if you, if that sounds fun to you, and if you're listening, it should it should sound fun to you. <laughs> real fun. It should sound like the most fun. Then definitely... Um, be a, become one of our patrons and come and join us next month. And if you're a patron, make sure you get in there. It is a great time. But if all that is a little too much for you, you can simply follow us on social media. We are at Would Be Dead Pod anywhere and everywhere you get your content. You can like our posts, share our posts, like and share our posts. Ooh, yes. Leave us a comment. Do all three. Like, share, and leave a comment. Ooh, we need ooh. engagement. It's a very good thing. Yeah. So get in there and talk. Who doesn't love an engagement? It's almost spring. Oh, man. (laughs) Time to get engaged. (laughs) Oh, Lord. So let us know when you're listening. Tell a friend. Tell a neighbor. Tell your neighborhood football moms. I feel like our neighborhood has some, right, Leslie? They sure do. What are their names? Braylon, Katie Lynn, Madeline, Betty Lynn, Betty Ann, Marianne, and Beth Ann. (laughs) Oh, no. And Jill. Oh, Jill. Don't forget Jill. (laughs) Jill. Oh, no. (laughs) She's 100% listening. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think you're a football mom, Jill. No. (laughs) That's right. We know a Jill. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's all good. She just, like, found herself part of the group and doesn't know how to get out. She doesn't know how to get out. But you know what? My Jill loves a good time. And she'd be like, are we all drinking wine and hanging out? Yeah. It's fine. She just thought it was, like, a wine group. It's, like, a little fun time. Yeah. It's all good. This is a book club, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell tell all those. I can't repeat those names. Tell them. And then they can become fiends and we can all hang out together. <laughs> I just always have names like that stuck right up They're here. just right there in your mind. <laughs> and I think that's all I have in the way of announcements for this week. You can look forward to our St. Patrick's Day fun very, very soon. It might even be mm-hmm. next, actually. I have to look at our dates. Yeah. Um, which means we will have a campfire story pretty soon, too. Exciting. I know. Nerve wracking. Nah. No. St. Patrick's Day is always so fun. Yeah. So, look forward to that. Um, and that's and that like, means I'm um, John Radicasa. 
John's already on notice, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Better get working on something. Uh, yeah. That soda bread. We got. <laughs> I like dream about that soda I bread. Know. It's so good. And if you guys watched our campfire story either last year or the year before, then mm-hmm. you would know John makes the world's best soda bread. Yeah. And you could be involved in watching us have that. Yeah. <laughs> Watch us eat it. Yeah, which we did. I have the recipe to share with everybody. Oh, so. good. All right. Well, that's all, that's all I have in the way of announcements. Leslie, do you have anything to add before we begin? No. Nothing. nothing. Got nothing. All right, then. On with the show. I have to say right off the bat that if you're outraged about today's case, and a lot of you probably are, don't worry. So am I. Ooh. Yeah. I approach every case we cover like a blank slate, even the ones I know a lot about. I assume when going in that I don't know everything, because I never do, and I prepare to be surprised, because I always am. There are so many times where I go into a case and I talk to Leslie, I'm like, I think this, this, and this, and this case is going to be this because of this. And then a few days in, I text her like, oh, no, (laughs) different. Like that does happen a lot. So I am not, I don't stick my mind on something and not change it. I am totally malleable when it comes to that. She is a flip-flopper. I'm not flip-flopper. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm open to learning. Right. Flip-flopping around. No, not flip-flopping. It doesn't have to be a negative. Oh, God. (laughs) When we cover unsolved cases, though, that have received some amount of attention, especially the ones that garner a lot of theories, I do get nervous that I'll sit down and look at the facts. And you and I have had this discussion a lot. And I'll see the simple answer that no one wants to hear, which is the popular opinion. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I am not looking for a murder. I'm never going into a case going like, I want this to be a murder. I just want the truth. That's all. Mm -hmm. And I know that y'all weren't super thrilled when I said I thought Rebecca Zahow died by suicide. But no matter how many times I laid out the facts, all of them, that's the answer that I came to. It was just there in in the information. I don't lie or bandwagon or sensationalize for clicks and neither does Leslie. We have had that agreement since day one. But this case is different. The paperwork just, like, doesn't work on paper. Mm. And while there may be a lot of layers to it, you have to peel back, like, just one to see that something is missing and everything is, like, a little off. Okay. So let's get into it. On November 3rd, 2018, 40-year-old Tamla Horsford attended a sleepover party with nine other football moms. They were supposed to be casually celebrating host Jean Meyer's birthday. Is Jean a popular Southern name or something? I've only ever seen Jean Benet Ramsey and this Jean. Yeah, probably. Jean. Yeah, I don't. Jean Luc Picard. They're all Star Trek fans. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> Thank you. Well done. Jean, so, Jean, 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 Jean. Just keep going. Sean. Say it a lot more times. <laughs> I'll work it out. Why is it not clicking? Sean, John, John, Ron. John, John, John. I. Anyway, I love what just happened. <laughs> I was trying to think of the Martian character from I think DC. Oh, I can't help you there, John. John. <laughs> just keep saying it. 
Oh no! I don't know. You'll it'll come to you, or it won't. Last time I thought something would come to you, it never did. (laughs) So anyway, these moms are celebrating Jean Meyer's birthday. They were going to have snacks and drinks and play games and watch the LSU game together. And because they would all be drinking, they were all invited to stay over so that no one would drive drunk. Mm. Okay. I've been to parties as an adult where you stay overnight because it's irresponsible to leave afterwards. I get it. John had just gone through a divorce and her children were at their father's house for the weekend. This meant that her spacious six-bedroom, five-bathroom Cummings, Georgia home could easily accommodate everyone. And everyone being nine white women and Tamla. Yeah. The next morning, the Forsyth, some people pronounce it Forsyth. I can't really get a read on which one of them is right. There's a lot of both. County Sheriff's Office would be summoned to the spacious home of Jean Myers, where by 9.07 a.m., they would observe the unresponsive body of Tamla Horsford lying in the grass in the backyard and declare her dead without taking any life-saving measures, calling an ambulance, or really, I mean, they really just looked at her and said, she's dead. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I mean, I think we're enough episodes in now to all know beyond the shadow of a doubt, that's not how investigations work, especially a 911 call. An ambulance always shows up with a 911 call. It doesn't matter. An ambulance showed up to collect Elmer McCurdy, who had been dead for like 70 years and was just a mummified torso, and they still sent an ambulance. Yeah. No ambulance. Okay. Huh. See, I told you it was going to be an angry case. So they just declare her dead right away. Tamla was laying face down all the way, like straight face into the grass, not turned left or right, which is extremely uncommon. Her body was straight. Her arms were straight at her sides, not over her head, down at her side. So like laying face down, arms down behind her, legs straight out. Okay. There is no natural way to, like you would never lay like that. And also... I struggle to think how you would fall like that. Hmm. We'll get into that. Don't worry. When the police get there, one of her arms is bent up next to her side. But every single person that reported seeing her before the police get there state beyond a shadow of a doubt that both of her arms were down by her sides. Okay. And yet they all say that nobody touched her and nobody like tried to take a pulse or anything. That's the weird part to me. Very curious, right? And they don't just say, oh yeah, this is how they position. They say all of them too. It was the weirdest thing. Her arms were both down by her sides. I don't know how that happened. They all make a point to say it and then that's not how she was laying. Hmm. So it's very strange. So by the time the police get there, the scene is also not bloody. This is supposed to be like, you know, a fall supposedly. Her body was in full rigor mortis and there didn't appear to be any signs of a struggle. There were no visible injuries other than a cut and bulge on her wrist and some little abrasions. Party guests were horrified, thinking that maybe she had taken her own life, which would be real weird. Mm -hmm. Though Tamla suffered just one fractured bone, one fractured vertebrae, and no damage to her skull or lower extremities, these are all indicative of a fall from a height. Okay. The medical examiner determined that she fell from the 14-foot deck above while intoxicated and died on impact. Mm. If you're wondering 
Can you live through a 14 foot fall? Absolutely. Yeah. Many people do. It's 18 and above is the. Definitely dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 14. Um, It is technically responsible for the most deaths, but it's only because the most people fall from that height because it is a common ladder height. Yes. So the, the, the statistics here are super skewed. Like you cannot judge the relevancy of like her possibly falling by that. It just happens to be the, what the most people fall from. Mm-hmm. And the medical examiner also like immediately declares her death an accident. So, or so, I'm sorry, right away, that's the police officer. The guy that like the responding officer was like, this was an accident. She fell. Right. Without any investigators. This is just responding officer. Okay. The other party goers agree. What a horrible tragedy. So sad. But Tamla's friends and family thought this sounded completely ludicrous. And when they asked for Tamla's autopsy report, they found that no photos were taken, only one x-ray was provided, and no sexual assault kits or fingernail clippings had been logged. Mm. They just looked at it and said, we know what happened here. We don't need to prove it. We're done. Mm. That is not procedure. Right. (laughs) When asked, why they did this, investigators simply said they didn't think they needed to do anymore. The case seemed cut and dry. But as you can probably tell by the fact that we're not done right now, it was anything but that. Right. Quote, the case was officially closed on February 20th, 2019, ruled as an accidental death. Major Joe Perkins of the Forsyth County Sheriff's Office stated that none of Tamla Horsford's injuries aligned with foul play, saying, quote, it was a party, they were drinking. She was drinking. Most of the partygoers had gone to bed at the time and she was on the deck alone. That's, that was his reason. He had interviewed 30 people, including family, friends, and other partygoers. And that was just good enough for them. Okay. But for over a year, Tamla's family and friends tried to find justice for her because it just didn't add up to them. How did this happen all of a sudden? And we'll get into the whole event in a few minutes. But nobody else seemed interested until the summer of 2020, when the whole country was in lockdown and George Floyd's gruesome and public execution at the hands of white police officers shone the spotlight on the many Black Americans whose murders had been swept under the rug by an unbelievably disproportionate amount of white people in power. Mm -hmm. So this case caught attention. On June 5th, 2020, Ralph E. Fernandez, the Horsford family attorney, wrote a letter to Tamla's husband, Leander Horsford, concerning the results of their independently conducted autopsy. Because like any good family would, when you look at an autopsy with not a single detail, they said, oh, we're going to get our own. Mm. Thanks very much. An Atlanta journalist published this letter a few days later, and here is what it said. Dear Leander, Two weeks ago, we finished the exhaustive review of the records related to investigation into the death of Tamla. I'm glad we had an opportunity to conference today with the rest of the immediate family. Hopefully by Tuesday, I will have a more detailed analysis for you. But today, however, I want to repeat some of what I told you. The review reflects that a homicide is a strong possibility. So they found something very different. Witness statements are in conflict. A potential subject handled the body as well as the evidence prior to law enforcement's arrival. Evidence was disposed of and no inquiry followed. The scene was not preserved. Evidence was inappropriately handled. The investigation was compromised by unauthorized access and disclosure to potential targets and witnesses. 
A remarkable fact is that there were no photographs taken during the autopsy of Tamla's body. This had to have been done at someone's directive because such a practice is unheard of, and it is. Let us address one issue as a sample. In reverse order, from the above, it appears that Tamla was involved in a struggle. There were abrasions noted consistent with this scenario. There were parallel scratches to one arm. Since they were fresh, photos would have proven recent use of defensive force, but having no photos comes to their detriment. There was one x-ray, yet the injury noted as the cause of death appears nowhere. Getting the records has been another monumental task, to say the least. I could go on and will in a few days. Forsyth County Sheriff's Office employees have been the subject of much criticism. The case agent was a close friend of the subject, who turned out to be the leak of the ongoing investigation. The town of Cumming has a history which raises eyebrows. After conducting my extensive review, I have come to the conclusion that the truth never had a chance here. Let me conclude by telling you that my years of experience led me to believe that 80% of cases where African-Americans die under mysterious circumstances end up closed or cold because there are no videos and the only witnesses are bad guys or good guys that deep down are really bad. Then you have cases where law enforcement does a poor job and cares little to investigate thoroughly because of some connection or association to the perpetrators. Take the... Ahmad Aubrey slaying recently. Without the video surfacing in the media, there would never have been an arrest in that cozy relationship between the perpetrators, prosecutors, and investigators. A rookie lawyer that gets a video in a wrongful death case where a stopped car is rear-ended by a speeding semi will win each time. A video of someone walking up to a bank teller, face uncovered, and firing a gun point blank will most certainly lead to a conviction. But those facts are not what we are dealing with here. Here we are fighting an uphill battle because those who wear the badges and were entrusted with the investigatory tasks failed you. But this is not over. It will never be over. Be safe, be strong. We will get to the bottom of this. Sincerely, Ralph E. Fernandez. That letter exploded in the media and with good reason. Yeah. The Black Lives Matter riots were an international outcry for justice. And after this, Tamla Horsford's case was brought right back into the spotlight. Celebrities like Kim Kardashian, 50 Cent, and T.I. were calling for re-examination by the Georgia Board of Investigation of Tamla's case. So this was like Twitter famous. So it caught on to a lot of celebrities. Mm -hmm. It was all over social media. She had a hashtag. Tamla's change.org petition blew up. And suddenly millions of people who had never heard of this vibrant mother's strange and tragic death were reading a sloppy and incomplete investigation of what was becoming an increasingly obvious probable hate crime. Oh my. Yeah, this is wild. Because it was nothing dead in the water. And then when it resurfaced, suddenly Georgia was like, oh no. Hmm. Quote, on June 12, 2020, Forsyth County Sheriff Ron Freeman sent a letter requesting that the case be reopened and investigated by the GBI. He stated that the investigation was best undertaken by an independent law enforcement agency. Now, this is not the FBI. Probably should be, but it's not. It's the Georgia Board of Investigations. The GBI agreed to reopen the case on June 18, 2020, but did not specify when the investigation would begin. They were like, we're going to get around to it. Okay, that's not exactly what everybody is looking for, but it's something. So while we wait to hear what the GBI has to say for themselves, and don't worry, I'll tell you when we're done. 
stop. Plus, spoiler alert, it takes them over a year to do it. Um, Let's examine the case on our own. I know I have provided a frustratingly tiny amount of details thus far. Don't worry, we're getting into them. Some of you may be sitting here and thinking that feels this feels like a little bandwagony, that we don't have any evidence that a hate crime has taken place, so why are we exploring it? And if that's your thought process, I suggest keeping that at like an inside thought for right now. And I also am going to assume that you probably don't know a whole lot about Forsyth County, Georgia. But don't worry, that's what we're here for. Ooh, yay. So, just as the GBI is supposedly doing at this point in our story, let's just take it from the top. Okay. Now that we all have an overview. Got it. So, Tamla Ayana Sanjur was born October 10th, 1978 in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Like all of them. That's, that's what it's called. It's like an island chain. Nice. Very pretty. She lived there with her family until they moved to the Bronx in 1989. And as an adult, Tamala moved to Florida, where she met Leander Horsford, and the two fell in love. Leander had one daughter from a previous relationship who Tamala took to immediately, and she was really young when they got married, so Tamala's raised her as her own. This is her mother. Leander and Tamala were married, and together they had four sons. In 2012-2013, we don't have an exact date on this, the Horsfords relocated to Cummings, Georgia for Leander's job, and shortly after that, they welcomed a fifth son into the world. Wow. I know. Tamla was a really busy woman. Yes, she was. So she was a, a stay-at-home mom, but like probably the busiest stay-at-home mom. Six kids? My God. I know, that is wild. I can't imagine. But she loved being a mom and she was super involved in all her children's lives and all the activities. And like she was in there. She volunteered in classrooms. She was that mom. Photos show Tamla smiling and dressed up for Halloween, ready to hand out candy with her husband or sitting on beaches with her family and posing with her five immaculately dressed boys for portraits. She has one of those pictures where it's like they're all in plaid, the same plaid shirt, but there's so many of them that you're like, oh my God. <laughs> sea of plaid. It is a sea of plaid. Friends described her as the life of the party, which ugh, I know you guys like, I don't like to say that or like she lit up a room. <laughs> Because no, that's like the thing. But like in this case, it does, it does actually feel right. Like if you look at her socials or anything with her in it, she's always right there in the front, like giant smile, causing fun and like having drinks and partying. She's just, she definitely was the life of the party. She good time. She, I mean, it looked like she really was a good time. And she did have lots of friends, but she was always happy to make more. Her husband said like she never met a stranger because people were always immediately oh, her friends. Isn't mm-hmm. that cute? I know. Naturally, when her oldest son started playing football, Tamla was right there for every game. She was known for bringing a bullhorn to games so she could be heard on the yes. field. <laughs> so she it. would be like, yelling stuff and like, hey, ref, I don't know anything about football. <laughs> but, but her catchphrase was, can't stop greatness. Oh, okay. So she was one of the yelling ones. I, yeah, for she sure. Had, she had like a... Oh, she had a lot to say. Okay. And everybody says that was her thing. Can't stop greatness. And they were like, that was a really good motivator for kids. Like the kids yeah. liked it. So now it's November of 2018. Football is in full swing. I guess that's football season. I know nothing. And Tamla's son is playing varsity that year. Oh, good for yeah, him. Yeah, he's doing good. She has tried to befriend the other football moms, which was seemingly going pretty well. But these other moms had all known each other for years, like forever, since their kids were born. But despite the tight circle, they did begin to include Tamla in their sporty mom sisterhood. 
She and her son had been invited to carve pumpkins with the gang at fellow team mom John Myers' house right before Halloween. I get the idea that John's house was like the house. Yeah, yeah. Where everybody goes for mm-hmm. stuff. Tamala enjoyed Probably watching had football. had like a big couch and everything oh, they all sat she on. She has the biggest couch I've ever seen. <laughs> it's in pictures. Yeah. I was like, that's a sectional, but it's like 10 sectionals. Yeah. It's nuts big. It's so funny that you thought of that. 100% true. I guess that's a thing if you host a lot of people for a, oh, yeah. a sporty time. Yeah. Cool. I can picture it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to show you the picture so you can be like, yep. Yep. There There's it is. There's a big like living room, family room area where they just all, and the couch was just huge. Probably yeah. a huge green TV. Yep. And everything <laughs> is like white, beige, and yeah. teal. They probably have like overhead dimming lights. Oh, they might <laughs> have. <laughs> it's a very like live, laugh, love, yeah. ship lap scenario. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Of course. I mean, no, no judgment. Live, live, laugh, and love. No, but those are like the perfect houses for that. Oh, like for sure. All. And it's and it's huge. It's like a yeah. huge house. Yeah. So Tamla did enjoy watching football on the giant couch. They enjoyed watching football. She was a great time. They liked a great time. It seemed like a pretty obvious match. It was that like mean girls moment where they're like, come have lunch with us. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Got chills. <laughs> on Wednesdays, we wear pink. Yeah. <laughs> But then again, this is how I see it in my head, but I know nothing about the bonds of sports moms because mm. I didn't do a sport. My kids are not, I mean, Flynn plays some sports, but we're not at the age where it's like intense right. yet. It's always intense. I mean, so some, it is apparently. <laughs> That's why, Leslie, maybe you can like give us a little window into what this, I don't even know what to call it, culture sure. is like. Sure. <laughs> Um, yeah. Okay. So I did find a cute little thing. It says like 10 signs. You're probably a football mom. Okay. What I would say is that for the most part, most of these are going to overlap with any sport. So any, any like real, like, yeah, any sporty mom. So, well, this one's pretty much for football. You take your summer vacations before the start of the season, right? Okay. (laughs) Your team colors are the new black. Yeah, okay, for sure. They all, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, Like nail polish, hats, bracelets, sweatshirts, everything. Big dumb hats, Stanley Cup. Yeah, (laughs) exactly, exactly. I'm sure the the moms like get together, they go to the nail salon and they get like their nails done for the game, right? Uh Uh-huh. Um, their little their little girls too, if they have like daughters, they're coming too. They're getting their nails done too. Of course. They have like little um, uh, ribbons in their hair. Right? There's only one girl I saw, but yes, this feels correct. Um, And if they are, and they most likely are going to be cheerleaders for that football team. Yes. Yeah, there's a couple in there. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Because everybody supports. Oh, yeah. Supports them. Um, You don't eat dinner before 8 (laughs) p.m. I'm a rehearsal household, so that's the same thing here. We eat real early or late. Yeah, yep. Um. And, you know, like you might have like dinner prepared, like you might have done like crock pot meals or like those frozen meals you could take out to cook, but you also are probably just running through. Yep. Running through a drive through too. Every once in a while, you're like, oh, we don't have anything in the fridge. Darn. Yep. <laughs> uh, you make your grocery list with your child's teammates in mind. Oh, Yep. Always okay. keep the fridge stocked. Okay. You never know if Jeremy... Tyler, Dylan, Aiden, <laughs> Braxton. Braxton. No, no! <laughs> oh, yes. Well, it's definitely Braxton. Braxton. He is there. 
Can't believe we both. That was a telepathic moment. Yeah, it was. That I'm was. so glad it's recorded forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can you can slice ten large navel oranges in no time. God. <laughs> Your car smells like a portable locker room. Ew! I don't want that. <laughs> Got shoulder pads, helmets, gloves, super sweaty kids. Ew! Get out of here, sweaty kids. <laughs> you all. Oh. This was one that we always had. We always had towels in the car because especially if it was like rainy or anything like that, oh. you want the towels because like you'd get like muddy and stuff and you need to put them on the car. Yep. Um, your kitchen cupboard is filled with more water bottles than cups. Lord. <laughs> um, probably right now it's probably all the liquid IVs as well. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Just got a whole bunch of those body armors, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, you have no voice on a Sunday. Uh, there you go. Very quiet in church. Or you bring your bullhorn <laughs> or so you, you don't have to scream. That's right. That's right. Um, you're 30-something and can still fit into a size youth large. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of them. Um, and not really, but you're really going to try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to mm-hmm. get in there. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, for the most part, being a sports mom and especially... I well, from what I can gather just so far of what you're trying to describe too with these bombs, like mm-hmm. it's going to be that like popular click in school. Yeah, it looks so very clicky. In football, especially, is a very large sport. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of them. So you're gonna have classes like within pods those, like little people. pods. Okay. And so you are gonna have the ones that it's probably like those freshman moms. Yeah. That now are the senior moms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they probably did stick together. That's exactly um, what this and, is. But there's always going to be a couple of like little outsiders that kind of come in, but they're not fully in or they're they're just there. Like, oh, they're like, that's 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 Beth over there. She's just she brings she brings her brownies. And we'll we'll share them, but oh, no, <laughs> you Beth. can put them on the end there. Oh, Beth. <laughs> yeah, it seems to me that this was very much like a you're getting an invite. Yeah, you should be grateful. Mm-hmm. One of those things, which I don't yeah love. But you and know. a lot of them all have their like what will usually happen with um, football moms or sport moms. Like, after a while, you do end up having, like, your purpose there. Okay. So, everybody gets, like, a little job. Yeah. So Yeah, that fits this very well. Yeah. So, some of them will be, like, the cheer starters. They'll be, like, the, they'll be the the certain snacks, the certain Mm -hmm. drinks, the carpool moms, the, like, who's the one that's driving most of the time or where are we meeting up or who's, like, the itinerary, like, who's getting, like, what are we doing? Where are we going to eat? Like. All this stuff. Um, and then, like, who's, like, just even the ones that are, like, a little bit more, like, taking care of the kids mm-hmm. themselves for, like, injuries and all this other stuff. Get out there. Yeah. Fix them up. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, who's bringing the face paint and the colors and the streamers? Oh, and no. The, who's decorating the place? Who's Not got the, the face paint. Who's got the pads for the bleachers? Who's saving the seats? <laughs> that sucks. If your yeah. job is saving the seats. Well, Katie you're, Lynn always gets there early. She gets there early. <laughs> Her daughter's on the cheerleading team. They get there early. She drives the bus. <laughs> Katie Lynn just got brings so many blankets yeah. to save seeds. Yeah. Bless her heart. Yeah. They all she's, have snuggies with the team name on it. She's not invited to like every party, but like she's yeah. useful. No, but, she she's there. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. But she comes early okay. and she'll set up. 
You know, sometimes you need one of those. And she stays late. She cleans up too. If you come to my house early to a party, I you have to leave. I never show up early. <laughs> never one time. I am not ready for you. I try to show up early, but then I try to help you. That's nice. You can. I like mm-hmm. you get a special exception. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, okay, that's I feel like I had like some understanding. I, mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. And they're they're very like um, like a mom village, right? A mom village, yeah. They're they are a community, mm-hmm. and um, they're very prideful. Mm-hmm. They're um, I mean, they're mama cubs, like mama bears, mm-hmm. mama mm-hmm. cubs, mama bears. They're big mama children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of. So, Tamla got invited to pumpkin carving. That was like her into the the in crowd. Ooh, okay. That was the first thing she yes, really that did. That is something that they would do too. <laughs> At Jean's house, everybody's yeah. carving pumpkins. We're all going to get together. Yeah. We'll watch the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a big deal. And shortly after that, because it went well, Tamla got an evite. It was on Facebook, but they call it an evite everywhere. I think it was a Facebook event or something from fellow team mom, Stacy Smith. Now the evite was for an all girls sleepover party to celebrate Jean's birthday. Okay. Woohoo. It would be at John's house. The party started at seven and it was B-Y-O-B. Got it. They were drinking. Like there's no question about it. They were going to get, they were going to get kind of wasted that night. Nobody yeah. really <laughs> says we plan to be really fucking drunk, but they definitely did. Yeah. Where it was like, don't leave and bring booze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that means one thing. Yep. Okay. So, Stacy and Jean like planned this. Stacy did all the plans. I guess this is probably Stacy's role, like you said, in the pod. She's like the okay. planner. She plans okay. all the events. Even though this is at Jean's house, she planned the whole thing mm-hmm. and executed it. <laughs> it's wild. Uh, and they thought it would be fun to like get some moms together to watch the LSU game together and they would celebrate and bond. Um, and it was her birthday. So, you know. And since everyone would be drinking, they were encouraged to bring their PJs and spend the night for a slumber party. Which, listen, a lot of people are like, that is so weird. Adult sleepovers are not a thing. And like, yes, they are. Mm-hmm. I I mean, we'll talk more about them later. But like, I definitely slept over or had people sleep over in my house. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a thing. It's a thing. Relax, people. Yeah. That's not the suspicious part. There's a lot of suspicious parts, but that's mm-hmm. not one of them. Mm-hmm. So it just so happened that that weekend, Jean's kids were with their dad because they had, she had very recently had a pretty contentious divorce. Okay. In fact, uh, her husband, her ex-husband at that point had been like just dormant about the house whenever he wanted when she wasn't home and she didn't want him in the house. So she had installed security cameras, which you're going to think are going to be beneficial here, right? You think they're going to be helpful? Um, When her husband stopped coming around, she just let them all die. Ah, okay. So we don't have any security camera footage. Mm. But they were sitting there as though she had them. Okay. They just weren't on. So anyway, the Evite... um, there is some conflicting information about this. One says it was only the women that showed up and another said like 20 people were invited and nine people came. Okay. I don't know. It doesn't make a difference. So the people who came were Stacey Smith, organizer. Okay. Her job. <laughs> John Myers has the house. I yeah. feel like that's her purpose. She has the house. You can yeah. use the mm-hmm. house. Yeah. She doesn't do anything she in the house. the location. Yeah, but she has the location. Okay. Yeah. Nicole Lawson, Marcy Harden, and Bridget... Bridget Fuller, Jennifer Morell, Sarah Cosserum, Paula Seals, and Tamla Horsford. And all of these people plan to attend. That's who's coming. Okay. 
Um, and I will say, if I have to look at this right now and tell you what their jobs were, I know that like Nicole, Marcy, and one other one of them came early, early and set up everything. Okay. I know that Bridget like bought all their booze for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. She they would, all have roles. Yeah. And she uh, cleans everything. She's yeah. got like go. always cleans up everything. Okay. Uh, I am not sure what the other people's occupations were, but I know that that it's so funny that you said that because now I'm looking at this and going, oh yeah, that fits. That's a hundred percent correct. Yep. And it's not their first time. Like no. they've done oh, this. Oh no, they're organized. So they know what they're doing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So Tamala decided she was going to go, but she did express to her husband that she was like a little nervous about the whole thing because she, she really didn't know these people that well. She had only known Stacy and John for a couple months and she had only been like hanging out with them for like three weeks. Right. The other women, she didn't know at all. Some of them she had never met a day in her life. Mm -hmm. But it was socially good for her. She thought like it was good for her son's football and it was good for her to have Mm -hmm. more friends or better. So she was like, I'm going to go. It's going to be a good thing in the end. And it does. One of the things that matter is those clicks. Yeah. For your for your kids on the field sometimes. Really? Sometimes it matters. So it's really beneficial for you to get in beneficial, there. Beneficial, yes. Okay, all right. So I can it see can how she'd be, be like, it I can, should go. It, it can be beneficial. Right. So it's kind of like, why not sure. do that? Because one, you n- want to socialize just as much as you want your kid to socialize. Like right. it's a good, it, it like looks good and it mm-hmm. helps, you know, it helps your kid feel confident too. Like, okay, we're all like a part of this together. Sure. But um, some people do have the ear of the coach and things like that as well. So not that that's necessarily what uh, Tamla would be like initially. Right, like, but I'm sure that do, kind of permeates the but culture. It does. Yeah, you're just like okay. Well, if there's ever an issue or something like that, you need to have people on your on your sure. side. You need to have like a crew, and yeah, and this is the way to get it. So it would be a desirable thing to mm-hmm. be like in this clique of women. It, yeah, yeah. It's okay. Like you feel like it's a smart move. Okay, yeah. I totally get that. So she agrees to go. So on November 3rd, Tamla picked up a bottle of tequila. Now this is like a nice tequila that she said, in some reports she said she had gotten it from Mexico or maybe it was just from Mexico and she got, I don't know. But it's like a blue bottle and it's nicer tequila. Mm-hmm. All the blue bottles I have looked at are like a silver tequila. Uh, or like a straight up agave tequila. Mm-hmm. And there are definitely some really expensive bottles. Mm-hmm. This is like a mid-range, I believe, but still. And she was going to give this to Jean as a birthday gift. That's what she planned. Okay. She packs a bag with a fluffy white onesie with little gray paw prints on it, which she thought was like pajama party material. Right, so cute yeah. and fun. That is not how these women dress. And she packed a few other necessities. She made a casserole for her family to heat up in the morning for breakfast so responsible, said goodbye to her children and husband. And her husband had agreed to stay home with the boys that night a little reluctantly. He's like, but she was like, um, I do all of this all the time. You need to, right. You got to do it. And he was like, okay. (laughs) Um, So then she says bye to everybody and she leaves. And see, I bet you the women in that group made her feel confident to do that. Oh, they absolutely did. did. With their husband. That was in the, well, some of them, we'll find out later, but you're right though, because that's in some of their interviews. They're Mm -hmm. like, oh, her husband was dragging her feet. And we were like, come on. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Oh God. See, it does fit like a formula that Mm -hmm. I just did. It wasn't linked into. We do so much all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're a super mom. Yeah. Always. (laughs) You know, I love a Southern accent. Yep. (laughs) 
So at this time, it should be mentioned that Tamala's stepdaughter is 24. She's like older than the boys. Okay. And she lived out of the house on her own and was expecting her first child. So Tamala was about to be a grandma. It was a little girl. Yay. Mm -hmm. So, and she was over the moon. They were very close, the two of them. So she's 24, Tamala's 40. They're not super far apart in age. So they they have like a very close friends, you know, not friends, like she was a mom, but you know what I mean. They had a very good Mm -hmm. bond. So on the way to this party, Tamla, who goes by Tam everywhere from everyone. So if I switch over and that appears in my writing, it's because that is how she is referred to by every single person. Tam or Tammy, always. So on the way, Tamla apparently stopped at her friend's house who had been going through a messy divorce, which delayed her arrival at the party a bit. So she didn't get there until 8.30. This information comes from Stacy, who apparently knew her the best. And when she, when Tamla arrived, she was like, oh my God, my friend's going through a divorce and I had to stop there. That's why I'm late. This is all according to Stacy. We can't ask anybody else. You know what I mean? Because we don't have the friend. We don't know who it was. (laughs) So at 8.30, Tamla arrived at 4450. What if it was one of those she was just running late and came up with an excuse? <laughs> no, it's just out there. What a great, <laughs> insane excuse. If you just were running late and you're like, my friend is having a very messy divorce and I had to go to her house yeah. and console her for a little while. It makes her look like a really good friend, <laughs> easy to talk to, just and the, she's a good listener. Just a wild thing. Yeah, she's like, I can be the listener of the group, guys. Yeah. yeah. I can do it. That's really funny. So... She arrives at 4450 Woodlet Court in Quail Hollow, a subdivision of Cummins, Georgia. This is hilarious because I have I know someone that lives on like a quail oh, road really? and they would be also the house that it, everybody would come to. So fucking bougie. <laughs> kind of. Because yeah, this is like, insanely bougie. Like I went deep to Quail Hollow. I went into all their Facebook boards yeah. and stuff and like tried to feel out there are no black people there at all. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I could find. It is very white. It is very rich. It is very McMansion-y. All the houses were built in like 2012. They all have the same doodle dog. There's I swear to God, there's like six pictures of the same kind of doodle dog. There is like a community, like a neighborhood pool that's immaculate with a pool house and bathrooms. They have boards where they have events and stuff. Nice. Yeah. And their biggest concerns really seem to be dogs pooping where they're not supposed to and outsiders trying to use the pool. Yeah. They do not like outsiders coming in at all. That is clear. They also have like a Christmas light competition. The Facebook board is like 5 million pictures of people's Christmas Mm -hmm. lights on their enormous houses. Yeah. It's that kind of thing. And though the houses are big, in excess of 3,000 square feet per house, they're huge. Okay. In true McMansion style, the lots are not big. So it's like a lot that kind of just fits your house on it, you know? And most of them are located in cul-de-sacs and situated very close together. Mm. Now. If you're wondering what kind of house accommodates nine sleepover guests comfortably at the drop of a hat, this one, the house itself has five bedrooms and four bathrooms, a huge eat-in kitchen and formal dining room. So, of course, she has like the big table and the big table in the kitchen, Mm -hmm. too, and an island in the kitchen with a big wine fridge. I know. It's like the dream. She also has a big giant living room. And I have this typed in here before you even said it with an oversized sectional sofa. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Master suite with bathroom and sitting area. A second floor deck with a large area that has an in-table fire pit. 
Okay. Um, a first floor patio with a seating area, a basement with a home gym with like the mirrored wall and all yeah. the stuff and a home theater with the couch and the big giant TV mm-hmm. and an in-law suite, like a little apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it has a kitchen, but it has like a, like a living area, a bedroom, and then like, uh, it looks like a craft room or something. But yeah, I feel like sure. she used their kitchen. I'm not 100% sure. And that's where Jean's aunt Madeline lived. Aunt Madeline is a character. So there's a Madeline. Yeah. <laughs> there, my ladies are That's so funny. Aunt Madeline. Yeah, she's <laughs> older than the gals. She lives in the basement apartment. Okay. She loves, loves, loves Jesus. She loves religion. Yeah. So She's so religious. Like the yeah. most religious. She also um, is not as conservative as one might think. She was like a Hillary Democrat. And she likes pot. There you go. That's what I know about Aunt Madeline. <laughs> she comes back later in a big way. So that's kind of important. So though the deck and patio are really nice, the rest of the yard is like a five foot rectangle right. of grass. Right. So if you are familiar with like the McMansion verse, mm-hmm. a lot of them are kind of like that. They use every foot of their property on a house. Mm-hmm. Not all of them. Some of them are on great big areas, but that's how this one was. And at this point, because it's November, it's just brown gla- grass to the fence line. And their house is like the only house in the neighborhood with a fence, too. Okay. Everything else is open. They are completely fenced in. Party house. Yeah. And there are houses on either side. They are surrounded yeah. by very mm-hmm. close neighbors. Yeah, I can picture this. And then yeah. the back is woods. Yeah. So when Tamla arrives, Jean, Stacy, Marcy, Nicole, Bridget, Jennifer, and Sarah, which is not the names you mentioned, but like not that far off. <laughs> um, are all there, but so is Jean's younger boyfriend, Jose Barrera, and Stacy's husband, Tom, which was against the rules. It was supposed oh. to be ladies only. Some girls' night, right? Apparently, these two guys were supposed to go out together, like the men folk can amuse each other. Right. You know. Tom's uh, sister-in-law, so Stacy's sister, had had a gender reveal party earlier that day at their house. <laughs> that they hosted. Wow. She's still in college, the sister, having a baby. All her college friends come to stay at their house and have a gender reveal party. <laughs> they're also from out of town, so they're all staying at this house. Okay. So after the party, Tom and Stacey were like, well, we're leaving. Right. Can you watch our kids? And they were like, yes. So their kids stayed with the sister and all the college friend. And Tom just thought it would be like incredibly inappropriate for me, him to be in a house with a bunch of college-aged women. Um, I, can, I can feel that though. But can we not trust Tom with a, his pregnant sister-in-law and her friends? Why can't we trust him? I, that Why just, can't he be in his, they all have McMansions. Why can't he be in his master suite somewhere? I know. That feels like a, a Southern male thing I, to do though. Yeah. I guess it was. I don't know. So the sister agrees. And that's, that, and that's not to say that they're all like that. Right. I just, that's, you know. what, that's what she said in her interview was he didn't think it would be appropriate. If Okay. What I should say is if he's a conservative male, yeah. then most likely it is not appropriate. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> their uh, social media and profiles. And also he just doesn't want to. Yeah. That's it. Their social media <laughs> prov- profiles do not indicate any kind of like political views. Yeah which is probably by design at this point, to be very honest. Maybe, I'm yeah. sure they took down anything that would mm-hmm. show any of their social leanings. Maybe not, but like mm-hmm. at this point, I feel like... And it's did. not even necessarily to be judgmental. It was yeah, just like, sure. just, yeah, I can, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, no, I know. I know <laughs> what you're saying. I think everybody gets what you're saying, too. Yeah. <laughs> 
So Tom decides to hang out with Jose and apparently he was going to like spend the night in the basement on the couch or something. They were just going to like suck in there and watch the game and then fall asleep. Yeah. Whatever. But Jose had a tummy ache that night. Oh, Jose. Ouch. And he didn't want to go out on the town. So the guy said they would just stay in the basement. Tom was like, all right, I'll just come over and we'll watch the game. So really, he's just saying, I have the shits. I got to stay in. Yep. That feels (laughs) correct. I had some bad Chipotle and we're not going out tonight. Yeah. That's what it feels like they're saying. But, you know, whatever. Oh, also Aunt Madeline is there kicking around, making food. She made gumbo, so she was allowed to be there. Yeah. It's fine. Passing out gummies. <laughs> She's like everybody. Maybe. She's like everybody's aunt. She's just like, hi, girls. Yeah. Here's some food. Anyone else hungry? <laughs> Aunt Madeline's starving. She's like, ah, okay. <laughs> now, and I only say that she's a cannabis enthusiast based on uh, we'll get to one fact in a minute. And because on her social media profile, she does have like a big lengthy thing about legalizing cannabis okay, use in like 2013. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, oh, publicly she now was for it. it. Yeah. All, all right, Aunt Madeline, whatever. So. Allegedly. Allegedly. After coming in the door in a whirlwind of good cheer and hugs and sorry I'm late, Tamla took off her shoes right away, left them by the door in a very like, you know, Southern respectful manner. Um, and then said she was going right to the bathroom to change into her pajamas because this is a pajama party. Except for like nobody else had a onesie on or anything. They right. just looked like sweatpants version of the same thing they were in life. I gotcha. You know? Just like the sweatpants and like a sweatshirt with some words on it. Or yeah, like it was like an off the shoulder tee. Tee, and yeah, like a, yeah. Also a scarf. So Honestly, they were cozy. what I'm wearing right now yeah. underneath my bubble vest. <laughs> Oh, no, football mom. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I look like a football mom right now for sure. It's okay. So she comes out uh, in dressed in her onesie and is like, I got a party, man. I got to get going. I'm an hour and a half late, you know, got to catch up. So the first thing she does is she gives John the bottle of tequila. And she's like, here you go. This is for you. And John goes, no, I don't want that. I don't drink tequila. Okay. I'm sorry. That's rude. That is rude. I don't care rude. if you don't drink tequila. You say, thank you so much and put it on the bar. Yeah. You don't have to be like, no, I don't like that. It's garbage. It gets ruder. Don't worry. Oh, it gets ruder. The rest of the women then chime in that they don't like it either. They're like, we can't drink that. They don't even just say they don't like it. They all go, what do you mean? We can't drink that mess. We can't be drinking that. That's disgusting. We stay away from, are you ready? To kill you. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Who is, who is um, reiterating this tale? Stacy. Stacy is? Mm-hmm. Okay. This is what I, and it's in, it's in every interview. It's the same every single time. And they all admit it. They all say they did this, which is wild because it sounds like an exaggerated version that somebody else retold. It is not. It is from all of their own mouths. Right. In fact, Stacey said, I called it to kill you. And now I feel really bad about that. Ah. Okay. Okay. That's so rude. Yeah. And then Tamil's like, guys, like, this is a really nice bottle. Maybe you've just never had, like, really good tequila. Yeah, and to like be fair, and... th- yeah, you yeah. and I know there's a difference. Oh, yeah. So she was not talking bullshit. If all you've ever had is stupid Cuervo and she brings nice tequila, you might change your mind. Yeah. And they were like, no, I don't want that trash. I don't drink it. And she was like, just smell it. I'm change your mind. John smells it. And this is in every interview. And then, like, makes a barf in her mouth motion. She goes like, huh. Oh, I hate women like this. And then okay. they pass it around and all the other women do the same <gasps> thing. They all talk about how gross it is that she brought it. I'm so mad. I was furious at that. I don't care if you don't. First of all, if someone brought me that 
and it was like an expensive bottle of something, I would drink it. Not the whole thing, but I would try it for them. <laughs> drink the whole thing. I drink the whole ass bottle. No, but I would try it for them. If they're like, no, it's a really good thing. And I'm really proud that I brought it to you. And I really want you to try it. I'd be like, I don't care. I will try it. Right. Worst comes to worst, I will try it and go, oh, and make a face and it will right. be funny. And right. then we'll move on. Right. But that is what, what a rude bullshit thing to do. I'm sorry. It is. And I'm not reading a cartoonized version of it. It's what happened. Yeah. So. Then Tamala was like, well, I'm going to go have a cigarette. She was also the only smoker there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's time for that, right? So she goes outside on the second floor balcony to smoke a cigarette. It's off the kitchen. So there's a door right off the kitchen where everybody is. And they're still in there talking shit about her while she's out there doing that. And they all say they did. She goes out there to smoke a cigarette and Bridget, like the mama hen of the group, goes with her. Okay. To be like, no talk. Oh, oh, oh. And before we move on, what were these women drinking that they were so classy that they couldn't possibly touch tequila? Arbor Mist? No, they were drinking blueberry vodka and ginger beer. Yeah, that sounds right. Yep. Or wine from like magnum size bottles. Yeah. So or fun. Smirnoff ice. Yeah. Or fireball shots and Mountain Dew. Wow. Fireball and Mountain Dew. But her high end tequila. That was not okay. Right. I think they just had Mountain Dew, like they backed it with Mountain Dew or something. They weren't mixing the two. So. Wow. Yeah. I, oh boy. So Bridget, I know, I know you hate them already. I don't want to say I hate them, but I'm angry. But it's also like, because I feel like I would be Tamala. Me like, too. I'd be Tam. Like, Me I'd be too. the one bringing the drink. I wouldn't have fully fit in. Yeah. Oh, you can this feel that, like... Because I've been in this situation yes! before. That crunchy, uncomfortable minute. Like, you yeah. can feel it. It's, like, visceral. It is crunchy. It's very crunchy, right? That's what it feels like. You want to just, like, crunch yourself up and be like, ugh. <laughs> so she's out there with Bridget, who is um on, like, a very high dose of Xanax 100% of the time. She's, For like, sure. space, okay. spaced out and admits it to the police. She's like, my medication is why I'm like this. Because she's very nervous. She can't sleep over places. She can't be around people she doesn't know. So she's not going to sleep over, by the way. But she's also the mom. She calls herself the mom. And okay. she's out there with Tamla. And they find out, like, they're both Libras. Nice. Okay. They have a son with the same name. And they, uh, she's just cleaning up after her and stuff. And Tamla's like, I love you. Can you yeah. come over? Like, clean you clean everything up. Which also, I'm like, yeah, I would make that joke. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I get it. Then they come inside and <laughs> this is another move that I fucking love. At this point, she's like, well, I'm going to drink that tequila then. Cool. That's my bottle. Great. Yeah. And she starts fixing herself. I believe some in some places it says it was shots. So I think she did some shots. And then she was drinking it with a little water and a little of the Mountain Dew. Oh. <laughs> there was no other mixers. Yeah. Just a little drop to sweeten yeah. it up. All good, ladies. <laughs> So she's like, it's your loss. This is delicious. <laughs> and you're all making me very uncomfortable. So I'm going to yeah. get a little drunk. I feel like what happened here was that they all had a drink in high school. Mm-hmm. And then they just kept that as their party drink. Oh, no, the drink. blueberry vodka drink? Yeah. It was something that a local bar made. And they all would go out together and oh. get those drinks. And then they got the ingredients. And then they just made them at home. Yeah. 
Yep. Like Trevor, the bartender, was just like, yep. here's what you need to get. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me write it down. They just for took a picture of the phone Trevor. of the of the like ingredients in it or something. <laughs> yeah. It was that's Stacy said that. She's like, they make it at this place and we like it. Yeah. Trevor makes the best. He wrote Bridget, me down the recipe. Bridget doesn't drink this at all, but she bought the handle of vodka and the ginger oh, beer. Yeah, she goes along with it. She's she like, drinks you girls. Smirnoff ice. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Which she is a headache to me. She likes to stay with her faculties. She likes to not yeah. be out of it. But she's also on like a very, very high amount of Xanax. I don't know how she drank anything at all without like just going to sleep. Great. So then the girls eat some snacks. They're like, whatever. She just Practice. integrates back in. Yeah. <laughs> they put on the game. At one point, um, Tamla goes out on the second floor balcony and brings out a little weed to smoke. Nice. Okay. And Madeline's She like... did too. Madeline was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> she went out there with her Stacy goes out and takes a hit off Ooh, it. And then, weird. I know, and then John comes out and she's like, absolutely not. <gasps> My boyfriend is a cop. Jose is a cop. Okay, Jose. Yeah. He's like a, a pre-trial probation officer yeah. or something. She's like, he cannot be around any marijuana at all. Put it away. What's really funny is that her son, it's not funny, what's really, you know, a coincidence is that her son has a seizure disorder and has prescribed, like, liquid. Yeah. Um, cannabis that right. he takes. So there's already cannabis in your house. Right. With THC in it? Or I think so. I mean, it's for a seizure disorder, so it's probably like some... I know like they some, can remove it. They can. I don't know that the form, Charlotte's Web is usually the kind that they give yeah. people with seizure disorders, but I don't know that it's all CBD. I, I think it's you. a little okay. bit of each. Yeah. I could be wrong, you guys, but that just struck me as so kind of ironic because I'm like, but it's, I mean, like it's already existing in your house. Yeah. So you can't say it's not allowed in your house. And Madeline's there. So. And Madeline is probably down there blazed all the time. <laughs> we don't know. In that basement having a time of her life. Exactly. <laughs> in the basement craft room having a great fucking time. Eating cereal. <laughs> Making gumbo. Yeah. That's how she rolls. It's fine. So, okay. Okay. There's another crunchy moment where she's like, oh, no, I yeah. brought the pot and they don't want it. <laughs> So she puts it away. She's like, that's fine. That's fine. No no more. I'm so sorry. It's fine. Um, Okay. So she does, however, keep going outside to smoke cigarettes periodically. And frankly, I can see why you might need to walk outside Uh every once in a while. So at halftime, all the men come up, the two men come up from the basement for cake and happy birthday. And then they just stay up there for the rest of the night. So some freaking ladies night, I guess it's not appropriate, inappropriate for him to be around those ladies. I guess not. And then after the game, they all play Cards Against Humanity. There's videos of this. They are pretty drunk at this point. Not all of them, but you can tell they've been drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and at uh, 10 o'clock, Paula, the last member of the party, arrives. So as much as everyone likes to talk about how late Tamla was, she was not the last person there. Paula was. I don't know what the hell Paula was doing until 10, but mm. that's when she got there. She missed the pot. Sorry, Paula. So at 10.30, then... Sarah and Nicole have to leave. They don't have overnight childcare. They're like, we don't have a sitter or maybe they aren't married. I don't know what their deal is, but they have to go back because of their kids. And then things get kind of chaotic and the timestamps on everything here is pretty loosey-goosey. But here are the things that we know and why some of them are hazy. First of all, this night is daylight savings time. Okay. It's fall back. So depending on the clock, which clock was clocked at what Mm -hmm. point in time and what iPhone screenshots were taken when or whatever, the time's can potentially be off by an hour. Okay. And I don't know that they were all like, better turn the clocks back, you know, like before bed, because none of them were in a great state. And what year is this? 
This is 2018. So their phones they all have automatically. iPhones. Yeah, they, yeah. All, they all have okay. iPhones. Between 10.30 and 12.30, Jennifer becomes real, real, real drunk. She was the one drinking a magnum of wine. And she gets really loud and then kind of sad. Bridget says that Jen gets like, has like a meltdown. Like, yeah. nobody likes me enough. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. And possibly she might have gotten sick. There are different reports. I think she probably did. Oh, for sure. Depending on whose interview you're going off. Mm-hmm. In that window of time, Tamla also FaceTimes with her husband and son. They talk and she flips the phone and everybody at the party says hello. Um, it's cute and fun. And Leander said that Tam looked happy and he was not concerned about anything at all. He's like, she was having a great time. At first she was nervous, but this looked like she was having fun. It also should be noted that she was totally like with her faculties. She wasn't like slurry drunk or anything. She was fine. After that, Tam also FaceTimed with her stepdaughter. Same thing. Everything was fine and uneventful. And despite putting away a decent amount of tequila at this point in time, she was holding her own. Uh, At the end of the day, what is written in the police report is that nobody else drank any of that tequila and there was only an eighth of a bottle left. I have the math on that is equivalent to drinking nine margaritas. That's a lot. Wow. It's a lot. That's a lot of tequila. But she was not, she did not appear messed up to anybody. Like no, and she FaceTimed with her husband and he said she was fine. But she also was said by her husband to have an extremely high tolerance. She was a drinker and she was like a hard liquor drinker. Okay. Um, her husband said that she could do shots of tequila all night long and still go salsa dancing in high heels. Both of them grew up in the Caribbean where drinking is a huge part of the culture and whether that was good or bad is not up for debate here. But science does back up the fact that experienced drinkers will see lesser effects from a higher blood alcohol content than your average social drinker. Mm -hmm. So tolerance is a real thing. People do have it. I'm not saying this is aspirational, but it is true. Mm -hmm. So when people say she had a tolerance, she did. She started drinking at 8. 30 and it was 9 30, 10 30, 11 30, 12 30, four hours later. I, and I guess that didn't put her over the yeah. limit. I mean, I would be dead, but it also matters how hydrated she was. Sure. Yeah. She had food. At 12 45, Marcy decides that Jen has probably had enough fun for the night. She's like, we got to put Jen to bed. Yeah. She's crying. She threw up. Get We're her done. To bed. Yeah. Um, So they claim a bedroom with a TV and a larger bed. So the bedrooms in this house are like a couple, the the girl's bedroom Mm -hmm. obviously is huge and has like a big queen size bed. There's a boy's bedroom. There's like, then the other, she has like three sons and a daughter. Okay. Then there's another bedroom that has like a bigger bed and then two bedrooms with smaller like twin size beds. Okay. So Marcy and Jen are in a room with a TV. They put on Shrek and fall asleep. Sounds about right. Yeah, your sad, your sad <laughs> drunk friend needs Shrek and to go to bed. Yeah. So I get it. And then Marcy goes to sleep too. She's like, okay, I've done my civic duty. Good night. Yeah. Jen blacks out though. She doesn't remember anything from like later in the night at all. She just black, she's just blackout, dude. Okay. There's I can't even find Jen's interviews because yeah. Jen doesn't remember shit. She had an alibi. She's yeah, dead. everyone's like, she's fucked. But there's always one, and we can't judge because we've all been that one at one point yeah. in time. Oh, so it's and fine. it sounds like this is the time to be that one. Yeah, it really is. If you're going to have a blackout night, this might be it. Um, Unless you're a really good person and then no, it's not it. Um, So after that, after Jen and Marcy go to bed, everyone's like, "Ah!" 
I guess I have to go to bed too. Yeah. Um, and Bridges immediately starts cleaning up and calls her husband to pick her up because she's okay. too scared. She calls herself in her interview, the kid at the slumber party who has to call mommy and daddy. So strange. She makes, <sighs> boy, it is hard to wade through her interview because she wanders off topic really long and her words are very slurry and she frequently, she sounds really childlike. And she always talks about like, I was just, I'm so nervous about everything. I was very uncomfortable to be around any other people. Like I didn't know them. So I would have to sleep with one eye open. <laughs> yeah, she says that. And I was like, oh boy, was there a reason that you might have to sleep with one eye open around these people? Because right. there could be. Oh, Bridget also wore a necklace with Xanax in it. So it was always with her at every moment. Like that's how much she had to be medicated at every point in time, which I was like, that's weird. But it's not. You can buy pill necklaces all over the place. They are a thing. Oh. Did not know. Okay. They're either like a flat locket that is like a pill case, like a little one, yeah. or they're um, like a little bottle that screws to open. And then you put a couple tablets oh, in it okay. and you screw it shut. Some of I them was... are in the shape of a pill. I was imagining like a Smarty necklace. Oh, no, like you chew them off. That would be really funny. Oh, she's like, my doctor puts them on elastic for me. <laughs> Why is that what I picture? I don't know. I was like, what? No, it's like a pendant that you can't. <laughs> she just picks it up and gnaws yeah. one off. Oh, no. Like a little alarm goes off on her phone. My nerves look smarty flavored because I'm the kid at the sleepover that has to call mommy and daddy. <laughs> oh, not. I'm sorry. I'm mocking this person and I shouldn't be. But like there is a lot going on in her interview and it is really hard to like wrap your brain around. Yeah. All of it. Okay. Um, so anyway. Perhaps she has a very, very severe issue. And you know what? I do have a friend who has such severe anxiety that he would keep medication with him at all times. It's the thing. Not in a necklace, but you know what? It happens. So so then they're there. Jean and Jose go off to the master bedroom. Like first, too, like quickly. The, the person who lives there like is like, good night. Aunt Madeline is like, well, to the basement I go. <laughs> Paula retreats to one of the smaller bedrooms by herself. And then worst of all, Tom and Stacy start to wander off to a bedroom together, which sucks because of all the women there, Tam was the closest to Stacy. Stacy invited her. Stacy was like the person she kind of like knew the best yeah. there. They had actually hung out a couple times independently in the past three weeks and ended up staying up late, drinking wine and like gushing all their secrets. And according to, God, of all this is according to Stacy, of course, who also states numerous times in her interview that Tamla said she was looking for new friends and trying to be a better person. And that's why she wanted to hang out with them. Aww. There is no proof of that anywhere at all. By all accounts, Tamla liked her friends just fine. She just was happy to make more. Right. Okay. Stacy also says that um, Tamla told her she had to move to Georgia because when she lived in Miami, she got in trouble with a gang, which is also false. They moved because of her husband's job. Oh, this is wild. I don't know why she adds those things in. Yeah. I think she's like, well, this poor black woman needed us to adopt yeah. her, which is very white savory and gross. Mm -hmm. But that's, uh, it came right out of her mouth. So that's what I'm reporting. Anyway. So no matter like why she made up this information or where she got it from, it is true that of all the women there, Stacey knew Tam the best. 
And Tamla was under the impression that they would be sharing a room or like sleeping in the same vicinity. So she'd have like a partner, you know, she doesn't know a lot of them and it can be very awkward. But then her husband decides to come and stay and they share a room instead of the husband staying downstairs with the boys. Okay. So like she kind of got ditched. Yeah. At this point, Tamla, who's still having a good time, all these lamos are going to bed. She felt wide awake. She's trying to get other people to stay up with her. Um, and they were like, no, no, we have to go to bed now. Okay, we have to go to bed. And she told Stacy, like, I'm, I don't have a buddy now. What the heck, man? I'm sad. At this point, Tam says, you know what? I'm just going to go home. Yeah. I'm just going to go. I feel that. And Tom and Stacy like, freak the fuck out. And they're like, you have to stay. You cannot drive. You've had a lot of tequila. According to Leander, Tamla's husband, he's like, she could have driven and would have been alive today if she had. According to the law, she definitely shouldn't have driven. Okay? Like, mm-hmm. her blood alcohol content spoiler alert, comes up to be 0.238, which is high. Mm. It's a very high blood alcohol content. She should not have been driving. It's way over the legal limit. So they were right to like tell her not to drive. But according to her husband, again, because of tolerance, he's like, she could have driven. And I would have preferred that to this. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. So as a consolation prize, though, Stacy's like, I'll plug in my phone in the living room and you do it too. And our phones will sleep next to each other. <laughs> The dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's, she thought it was so cute. I know. Well, they're, they're drunk. I so. know. <laughs> so it says in a lot of places that Tamla's the only person without a sleeping buddy, but unless she evaporated, Paula was in one of the smaller bedrooms all by herself as well. It also seems to have been inferred in a lot of places that Tamla was going to have to sleep on the couch, but there was definitely another bedroom up for grabs. So while Tamla sat in the kitchen and ate a bowl of gumbo, everybody else walked off the bed. And she told them... Except for Bridget, remember, who's waiting for her husband and furiously cleaning. So she tells everybody who's going to bed, like, I'm just going to finish this up. I'll go outside and have a cigarette and I'm going to go to bed too. Thanks, guys. Good night. Now, in my opinion, this is very poor sleepover etiquette. You don't leave one of your girls stranded. And if you're hosting, you don't leave someone sitting awake along with another person who is waiting for their ride to come and get them. You are the last person in that in that room, unless a group of people is staying up together, still having a good time. But if Mm -hmm. someone is waiting for their ride, you make sure they get in that car. Right. Yeah. Now, but that's me. Am I, am I, what is your, am I right? What are your opinions on sleepover etiquette? Yeah. I would tell us a little bit about what you think. Yeah. I would, I would say that you are right. You wouldn't go, you would wait for that person to, and okay. Anybody that's getting a ride home, Mm -hmm. You would wait. Of course. Like if you, especially if that's your house, yep. you would wait for everybody to be in their final resting You have spot. to lock the door. You have to lock the door. Exactly. Exactly. And then I would say like, okay, so they have that big, massive couch. Yeah. There should be at least two people sleeping down there then. So if one, if Tamla. No, because there's so many bedrooms. Well, I know. But if somebody's going to sleep on the couch, somebody else should be on the couch with them. But that's what I'm saying it is inferred that she might be on the couch, but there was an empty bedroom. I think that she was supposed to end up in the empty bedroom because I took the virtual tour of the house. Okay. Okay. So so by my math, there is one empty smaller bedroom somewhere in the house. I also feel like normally at the beginning of Mm -hmm. the party, you would come in and if you're going to have a sleepover, you have like bags with you, right? Yes. So wouldn't you be like, okay, you're going to be in this room when you leave your stuff here? Tams was sitting in the living room on the couch. Yeah. Because she came in late and just threw her bag down. That's where it stayed. Yeah. No. 
the hostess should have been like, Thank you. Come on, Tam, we're going to go put your stuff yeah, away. Yeah, let's everybody, let's. Here's she, where the bathroom is. Does she even know where stuff. this bedroom is that's empty? Does she know where right. anybody went to sleep? They just mm-hmm. all walked off. Here's where you can put your shitty tequila. Like every, they I won't drink it. it. <laughs> exactly. And then, yeah, and then the tequila thing's making me really mad because you, like you said, if even if you don't drink it, yeah, you just take it and say thank you so much. And oh my put god, that's really kind of you. I could, I could see other people chiming in then at that point, being like, "Oh my god, I can't drink tequila. It makes me crazy." Because that's mm-hmm. like a thing people say with tequila. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'll, I'll be on top of the roof naked, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but not like. Bleh. Like, yeah. no, that's ridiculous. No, it's so um, mean. You just, you just put it on the bar with all the other bottles and that's the call it a night. Yep. Yeah. Um, and uh, these husbands that, that crashed in, mm-hmm. the plan, I guess, was for them to sleep downstairs or somewhere, right? Somewhere I th- else? It seems to me that the plan was, well, I don't think the plan initially was even for Tom to them. even stay over. Yeah, yeah. They were supposed to be out. Okay. And then they were going to come back and like, I guess crash in the basement or they were each just going to go to bed in their own homes. But then Mm -hmm. it turned into, well, we're going to watch the game in the basement and we'll just stay here and we won't bother you. But then it turned into they came upstairs and they were part of everything. And then, you know, Jean and Stacy then went to bed with their significant others. Mm -hmm. And that is not a girls' nighty thing to do. It's not, but it's also very typical girls' night sleepover shenanigans that happens boys always come over I mean they do crash from time to time yeah however like I'm trying to think when I if I have someone sleep over here my husband is never like okay but now I'm taking over and you come to bed with me yeah but if he didn't live here not live here if you if it was at a different house yeah I mean he came over yeah I don't know it's just Maybe. a little bit like this was advertised to them as a girl's night and I can see how if you're agreed, I'm just yeah, no, I agree. I it's still shitty. I'm just saying yeah. though that like it happens. How many, how many like little parties do you remember like when we were younger? We sure. were just like, oh, the boys are ruining it. The boys crash main party. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I I just it just kind of gets me a little that you leave this one girl cleaning up who's waiting for her ride, and somebody else who is eating and doesn't have like a place to sleep. Right. And you just go to bed. Right. That feels rude and weird and suspicious. And you don't put her in a room. No. That's like what's also weird. Her bag was on the couch and she didn't know this house. She'd only been in there one other time. So if I were her, I would have just left on the couch. I wouldn't yeah. know where I was going. I think I would have left at that point, though. Yeah. Like, I think I would have been like, wait, okay, like everybody just left. And I would have either just called my husband or yeah, or left. Here's my other problem. Why didn't Bridget's husband just take her home? Right. She had said she wanted to go home in front of Bridget, who mm-hmm. had called her husband and was going home. If I were her, I would have been like, well, we can take you home. It's fine. Yeah. They all live in the same town. Yep. I don't. Yeah. I don't understand why that wasn't put out. I mean, I know they didn't know her super well, but yeah. it doesn't matter to me. If someone's trying to drive home drunk mm-hmm. and they don't want to stay there and you have a sober ride coming. Yeah. Don't you say we're going to get you home. That would also be, yeah, that would also be a considerate thing to do. Or it's 2018. Call an Uber. I was just going to say an Uber. I don't know what the Uber situation is in their town, but. I don't know, but Forsyth County is 7,000 people. It's not small. Yeah. So, and it's, it's 1.30, but that's not like blackout dead of night. Nobody's Ubering. Right. Call a taxi company. Mm -hmm. Like there are ways. Yeah. 
I, I just, they, she had to stay there. That was their only option that they presented to her was she had to stay there. And mm-hmm. Tom, the husband, was aggressively telling her she could not leave. So, right. oh, anyway, by 1.30 or so, everybody's in bed. Bridget cleaned up around Tam for a little bit before her husband arrives to pick her up. According to the security system, the front door, because they have a record of every time the doors open and close. Front door opened and closed at 1.47 a.m., which would have been Bridget leaving. Okay. She confirms this in an interview saying Tam gave her hugs and kisses goodbye and then she left. Though there's no other reports that she walked her to the door, but whatever. And in this little clip of time, Jose also mentions that he came down to get his phone charger and he saw her sitting at the kitchen island, even though the path from where he had to get his phone charger from the stairs is no possible way he could have seen her. Mm. Just it, the, the visibility isn't there. Okay. But he says he saw her, so all right. The security system also clocks the garage door opening at 1.39 and closing at 1.40, then opening again at 1.40, but not closing again. Hmm. For some reason, we never acknowledge this again. Yeah, that's weird. Nobody else is up. Why is the garage door open, close, open, and then not close again? Hmm. Bridget's still inside. Who is doing that? We don't know. And nobody looks into it. We don't know why that happened. Hmm. Yeah, unless Jose's charger was in the garage. Maybe his car was in there and he, that's where he went to get his charger. He said he comes downstairs. Yeah. But there is no like real explanation. Then at 149, the back door is opened and closed. It opens again at 150, but does not close again until the next day. Hmm. It is suspected that this is the window when Tamala's incident occurred. No one in the home reported hearing anything, even though she would have fallen right next to windows. Fine, people are deep sleepers. No, everyone stayed asleep. At 4.10 a.m., the front door opens and closes. This is Marcy leaving. That is confirmed. She said she had to go to work at the coach outlet that day and her shift started at 10.30, so she had to get home. Huh? (laughs) Okay. She ran late. Apparently, 10.30 that morning, she had to leave at 4 a.m. Oh, 4 a.m. Yeah, Uh... 4 a.m. Why are you leaving at 4 a.m.? Because you have a 10.30 shift. Well, maybe just to get home to get some more sleep. Maybe and I don't know. It was just uh, just a weird excuse for yeah. like a huge gap of time. I mean, I wouldn't put it past anybody leaving at a weird hour, being like, "I was sobered up enough, and I just really want to go home." But yeah. she was like, "I had, I guys, and I have to be. Kids, I don't know. I have to be at my job at the coach outlet at ten yeah. thirty, so I have to leave now. Like yeah. it was the most logical thing in the world. Right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. That checks out. That makes perfect sense. At 7.30, the door opens and closes again. That is Paula leaving. Fine. She, they, and Marcy and Paula both say they don't see anything weird. Nothing's out of the ordinary. Though the door is open. And it is 47 degrees at this point in time. Mm. So it is drafty in that house. You really don't notice that it's weirdly cold when you leave? Yeah. Okay. Um, maybe they don't go near the kitchen. Maybe if they're on another feel good floor. if they're hungover too. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Between 8 and 8.30, Tom and Stacy leave. They get up and go. All those college kids are at their house. So also something, okay, are they going out the front door? Yes. So it also depends on where the stairs are because if the stairs lead right out the front door, then... Yeah, they might not have gone by it. I'm not... Yeah. One set of stairs come like right by the kitchen. The one that Jose said that he saw her out of, but there is like an archway, like the doorway there that you can see some of it, but not into it, you know? Yeah. So if you're like to the side you can't see what's going on in there yeah 
I don't know. They didn't notice. That's just what it is. So um, Tom and Stacey leave and on her way out, Stacey gets her phone and she sees Tamla is still plugged in right next to her phone. Like, oh, they did spend the night together. And she mentions that she's happy that Tamla stayed the whole night. So I guess somewhere in her brain, she thought she still might leave. Mm Because Tamla's car was there. She could have left whenever she wanted. Mm -hmm. Now, remember, Jean, the technical host of this party, and her cop boyfriend are still sound asleep. Everybody's Mm -hmm. leaving and they're just sleeping away. Yeah. At 8.30, Aunt Madeline wakes up, opens her eyes, probably had a great sleep. Rolls around in bed for a little bit, then gets up and comes out to the kitchen, upstairs into the kitchen to make coffee. As she approaches, not all the way upstairs in the kitchen, there's like, I think there's like a kitchenette down there where she is. Because she's making coffee at um, ground level, basically. And she looks out the window while putting water in the pot and sees Tamla lying on the ground face down. And she's not moving. Now, does, does she immediately run out to see if she's all right? No. Does she call 911? No. Does she run to tell her niece that something happened to her friend? No. She never does any of those things. What she does do immediately is drop down on her knees and pray. That sounds like it will help. Then after a quick prayer, she gets up and goes up to the master bedroom looking specifically for Jose. Not not her niece whose friend that is, the cop in the house. So she knocks on the door no one comes to the door of the master bedroom and she says she hears water running and assumes they're in the shower together and goes, well, I don't want to interrupt them. And then goes back downstairs, looks out the window again, sees she's still laying there, not moving and goes, I guess I better interrupt them. Goes back upstairs, knocks on the master bedroom door and they answer it all sleepy sleeps. They were not in the shower. There was no water running. I do not know what she heard. Hmm. Yeah. And Aunt Madeline goes, I need to talk to Jose. And John's like, why don't you need to talk to me? And she was like, I just, you don't want this. I need to talk to Jose. Jose needs to take care of this. And John was like, you need to tell me what's going on. And Aunt Madeline says, your friend from the islands is laying out in the yard face down and she's not moving. No. Why are these people like quoting this stuff this way? It sounds super duper crazy racist to refer to her as your friend from the islands. But she was actually from the islands and it is something that she talked about. So for all I know, I can't really pin that one specific moment on Aunt Madeline being racist. Because if a white person said, I'm from St. Vincent and the Grenadines, you could also say your friend from the islands and it would still refer to them. Mm-hmm. So I don't I, I can't assign that racism, though it, though it really does sound a lot like it. I'll give you that. Um, so, okay, d- does, does John then run outside and drop to her knees and shake her and, like, try to see if she's breathing and, like, get really upset? Oh, no, she does not go outside at all. She, of course, does send Jose out to go look, who walks out there and touches her leg, her le- just her leg, like her lower leg, and says, oh, she's dead. It's cold. And he said, Rigor had said, and she was stiff. He's like, she's definitely dead. He did not check to see if she was breathing. He did not check to see if she had a pulse. He did not do any life-saving measures, which as a police officer who is certified in all of those things, he is required to do. None of those things happen. Mm. Nobody is sitting on the ground with her. Nobody is looking at her. Nobody is holding her. Nobody rolled her over. They were like, well, this is something the police need to handle. Like so immediately we, they were like, it, it was a crime, crime scene right scene. away. The second they saw it, they were like, don't touch anything. 
mm-hmm. which to me is so suspicious. Sus. It's very sus. If that was my friend out there on the ground, if that was someone I barely knew out there on the ground, mm-hmm. I would be laying next to that body, like I'd trying be, to wake it up. I'd be wrecking that crime scene. I would be too. Yeah. I would be fucking destroying it. She yeah. would be rolled over. I would be like trying to like see if I could. Everybody trample in. We need to save her. Also, <laughs> and this we've seen in other cases, usually your brain doesn't go, oh, they're dead. Yeah. Your brain goes, they're sleeping. They they came out here to sleep it off and lay down. She was smoking a cigarette and fell asleep in the yeah, grass. She, she was really drunk. Out. You yeah. don't immediately go, that's a dead body. What yeah. a weird fucking thing to do. I've never seen it before. Yeah. Or you say, it's a mannequin. <laughs> like you, No one ever thinks it's a dead body. Right. But these people knew the second they saw it that she was dead. A little sus, you know. By 8.59, they call the damn cops. All, and and they know Jose, by the way, because he's also a cop, which would mean, you know, that he should have known what to do and didn't. Anyway, so in the 911 call, which is really weird because everyone's super calm. Yeah. She's like, we had a party at my house and everybody was drinking and I found her. She's lying outside, not moving. And I think she fell off the upstairs deck. And um, and the 911 officer is, is, of course, like, okay, well, did you check to see if she's breathing? And they were like, no, she's dead. And they're like, did you try any, like, what, let's try and save this woman's life. And these people are like, no, I'm not going to touch her. What do you mean you're not going to check? Yeah. When the cops arrive, she is in exactly that, well, quote unquote, exactly the same place that she was when they called. Oh, and Jose makes a point on the phone to say, and she has an injury on her wrist. I think she might have tried to harm herself. The injury on her wrist is um, an open fracture which is what happens when you try and catch yourself with yeah. your hand and the mm-hmm. bone comes through your wrist. The foosh. Yeah. It's a big bulge, big swollen mm-hmm. bulge and a little bloody cut where you see the bone coming out of yeah. her wrist. This does not look like you tried to take your own life with a sharp object. Right. At all. It looks like you fell on an outstretched hand. It does look like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Seven minutes later, the police arrived. And they have sent Officer Mike, Mike Christian, a man with a history of racist defenses. Oh, good. Cool. Yeah, that's a good guy to send. Mike looks at the scene and decides immediately that Tamla tripped over the landscaping and fell at ground level. That's just, just like sense. standing there and fell over and then died. I guess, I guess, is he thinking like she suffocated herself if she was too drunk? Yeah, we'll find that out from a message that he sends to his girlfriend. Okay. During this moment in time. In a minute. But yeah, okay. Does this sound totally ridiculous that she would have just tripped and fell and died? Well, yeah, of course it sounds ridiculous. You're not going to trip at ground level and incur catastrophic injuries that result in death. Although now I know how you and I would be dead. Yep, 100%. (laughs) But this guy went really hard with this. He was like, this is what happened. He went so hard that he told everyone at the party that's how she died and Tamala's husband. He told her. Sorry, he told him that's how she died. Totally against protocol. Yeah. There was no official report from a medical examiner. There was no coroner. There was nothing. He just decided that was true and told everybody. Mm. At the very least, that cop should have been taken off of active duty. Like, he shouldn't have been doing that anymore. Go away. You, You did it wrong. And as I mentioned, he didn't just take, like, say things about the crime scene to women he was having extramarital affairs with. He sent them pictures of the oh. crime scene on Snap. So was he um, suspended, fired? No. I mean, he eventually does quit. We'll get to that. But okay. he just stays fine. 
They don't know about this right away. Cool. This is me t- talking in the future. Okay, okay. So then we get to like the crime scene report, which is very vague. It's a little drawing with a stick figure okay. of Tamla and like the proportions of the yard and the decks. And a report from first Officer Christian who says she fell in the landscaping and hit her head and died. That's exactly what happened. And the other responding officers, and they're all kind of corroborating everybody else's stuff. There's nothing really that we didn't hear. And they're not investigating. And they don't mark the crime scene. They don't close down the area. There is a picture of crime scene tape up in the living room where no crimes occurred, but not outside. They don't do anything to preserve this as a crime scene. They just go, okay. Uh, The medical examiner comes in and they do take some pictures of the scene. I have seen them. It is, don't go look for them. It's not fun. But what I will say about the the body is that like, she doesn't look like anything happened to her. Her Mm. face is fine. Her head is fine. There's no blood on the ground. There's no divots in the ground. You fall from a height and you die of head and neck injuries, which I'll come to terms with in a second. You don't look fine, usually. Hmm. And she was on her face. Her face was pressed into the grass for so long that the imprintations of the grass is all over her face. Right. Not to the side, straight face in the grass. That's how you fell, just flat as a pancake, and your face is fine? Hmm. This is wild to me. So then they go to notify her husband, and they are very rude about that. The cops knock on the door, and they say, are you Lee? Hmm. And he says, what is this pertaining to? Because there's two officers at his door yelling, who are you? And they were like, are you Lee? And he was like, what is this pertaining to? And they're like, I'm going to ask you one more time, are you Lee? And he's like, actually, my name is Leander, but yes. And they're like, well, your wife is deceased. She died at a party last night. Wow. And he's like, I'm sorry, what? No, that cannot be true. I talked to my wife. She was fine. What are you talking about? They will not let him go to the crime scene. They will not show him any evidence. They will not let him see the body. Also weird. You have to identify a body. What the fuck, man? He doesn't see her until she's in the funeral home. (sighs) Yeah. That is unbelievable. A place that puts her in blackface to cover the quote unquote bruising. Like she's a black woman, but. Leander describes the makeup on her as shoe polish. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he, like, wouldn't let the funeral happen like that. He was, like, going to make it a closed casket. So he was like, this looks absurd. It looks like a fucking minstrel show. I can't do this. Right. Not good. So then we get to the um, autopsy. Right. Let me just pull my notes about this because I had to look up every single word because they don't make, they don't make actual notes. Oh, and you know how, maybe you guys don't. In an autopsy report, there's usually like a body shape, like the outline Mm -hmm. of a body. And then where injuries are incurred, they draw them or they mark where they're at. So you can see like a map of the injuries on external injuries on this body. That is not there. There is no body map. There is no, there are a lot of information that's usually there is not present. And I've read a bunch of autopsy reports. They are usually very long. Yeah. This one is not quite as long as it should be. So uh, right off the bat, that's weird. They state that she was found within the grass line of the yard midway off the patio. So her feet are still on this patio. She would have had to have dropped straight down. Right. No sway at all. Just like a ton of bricks straight down. Okay. In my opinion, the only way to fall that way was to already be unconscious when you did. Oh. Just saying. 
Um, rigor's present, so is lividity on her chest, which means she'd been laying on her chest for a long time, so the blood pooled in that area. We know that's what happened. Her body is cold. There is blood on the cuff of her right sleeve and the shin of her right pant leg. Her shins have matching abrasions on them, which is why they said she tripped over a landscaping metal stuff. Mm, to me, okay. it looks like her her like legs hit it. I don't know. Okay. But I don't know why you would assume that. Oh, 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 because the cop was like, I trip over stuff like that all the time. Like, did you die a lot of times? Is that what happened? Yeah. Definitely. Okay, great. Then he refers to her wrist as a break in the skin and protrusion in the right wrist on the ulnar side. It doesn't say, it says she dislocated her wrist. That's, that's, all right. That's what he says. It's like he's using it like autopsies for dummies. So if you're reading it, you can kind of understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. It states clearly that there are no bruising or breaks in the cracks or cracks to her skull. Her skull is totally intact. No skull injuries whatsoever. No injuries to her spinal cord either. Uh, how do you fall like that and not damage your head? I don't know. Yeah. It says that she drank all that tequila. Um, so I have the math right there for that. There's only an eighth of the bottle left. That means um, that she drank 25.4 ounces. Oh, no, sorry. There are 25.4 ounces in a typical bottle or 16 shots. So Tamala would have had to have consumed 22.2 ounces of tequila or 14 shots. That's a venti Starbucks cup and two ounces of tequila. Yeah. It's a lot. Well, Nine margaritas, like I said. Oh, yeah. And they only stayed at the crime scene for like 40 minutes. They were not there for long. They did everything and then left. Uh, they, they marked that the top of the propane tank had been wiped off. That's on the crime scene report, too. The autopsy report proper says she's 5'6", 156 pounds, wearing white paw print onesie, brown shirt, black shorts, bra, two multicolor socks, two earrings, one hair tie, and two rings. Her eyes are still clear. Full rigor is set in. Face and skull intact. Teeth intact. No injury to the tongue. If you fall hard enough and you bounce, you usually bite your tongue. Anyway, face is perfect. Nothing in her mouth. Ears and nose are fine. Basically, she's clean and well-groomed with no remarkable external damage. She has a handful of little cuts on her forehead um, and face, her nose, Just, but I'm talking about half inch by a quarter inch. These are little. Then they, she has something called a focal subgaleal hemorrhage of the right temporalis muscle, which is basically a big bruise in the muscle by your temple near your ear. Mm. As far as I can, I'm not a doctor, you guys. I am doing the best I can with this. <laughs> if I am wrong, I am sorry. You can definitely tell us online somewhere. Uh, it also says she has a subarachnoid hemorrhage of the right cerebral hemisphere. This is a bleed in her brain space, like the space around her brain. This can be lethal. This, this can definitely kill you. Um, it says she has a subdural hemorrhage of the right cerebral hemisphere overlying the cerebral convexity and the anterior temporal lobe. This was a hard one. Basically, that's another like brain bleed near her ear on her right side. They're all on her right side near her temple and her ear, which means she hit sideways. She hit her head on the side of her head. Yeah. Why was it face straight down? Right. That doesn't make any sense to me. Doesn't make any sense to a lot of people. Then it also states that she has, quote, excess mobility of the atlanto-occipital joint. This is a C1, C2 injury. It is usually fatal. It is what some people call internal decapitation. So if you break your neck at that spot, basically your head is not connected. But hers was only loose at the back part and not all the way to the front, which means kind of, but not all the way Mm -hmm. off. So when this doctor tells everyone she broke her neck, well, no, he's not exactly telling the truth, Mm. right? Then it says non-displaced linear fracture to her second vertebrae. So she has a compression fracture in her spine too, which means 
this is the kind of thing that happens when you fall and it compresses. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that would mean usually when you get that kind of um, injury, it's from like diving into a shallow pool and hitting head on. Again, this does not line up with how she would have fallen off this balcony. So I don't know how that happened either. None of this really makes total sense to me. The final word here is that she dies of, quote, blunt force injuries of the uh, of the head and like torso or something. She also has a three-quarter inch laceration to the right ventricle of her heart um, and a, an associated hemorrhage. And this is a blunt cardiac injury. It's something that does happen from impact. Okay. Now, when you just say she died of blunt force injuries, it sounds like somebody clubbed her in the head with a bat because that's what we all think about when we hear blunt force injuries. But they just mean that you are hitting something with your body and it's not like a a penetrating wound. That's all it means. It can be a fall. But mostly these, this combination of injuries, nine out of 10 times, if you Google them, it's a car accident. They're all associated with car accidents. Well, that makes sense. Yes. It could be from a fall too. Right. But the combination looks like when your car rolls and your head gets hit against the side of the car. That's what this looks like. Just so everybody knows what we're looking at. Oh, and her hyoid and larynx are intact, no injuries. So she's not been strangled. So then we get the toxicology report back, which is where everybody likes to get stuck. There are 2.0 nanograms per milliliter of THC in her blood. And then a metabolite of THC, there's 6.3 nanograms per milliliter. That just means that's been metabolized. It's no longer active. Um, She has 0.238 grams of ethyl alcohol in her system. That's not a great BAC to have. And she has an amount of alprazolam, which is Xanax, lower than the the lowest calorable that would be considered a positive test. So she has a very little bit of Xanax in her system. According to the police, it's because it had been recently taken and was not completely digested. However, there is no evidence of that because they don't analyze the contents of her stomach. The only way to tell that she didn't take it two days ago would have been to do that. So that's Mm -hmm. all we know. But there was Xanax at that party. Yes, there was. On a little necklace. Mm -hmm. Very astute. So yeah, the alprazolam wouldn't have affected her yet either because it was such a small amount. So at that blood alcohol content, let me just like, if you're not a seasoned drinker, you would be drowsy, sluggish, susceptible to mood swings and acting out of character. You would have a decline in motor skills, which means you'd be slurring all your words and probably need help walking. You would not be able to drive or hold a conversation. You would have, quote, gross disorientation to time and place, which means like you have no concept of where or when it is. You would also probably be vomiting. Um, and you'd black out and you're also impervious to pain. You have an impaired gag reflex. Uh, so it's easy to choke on your vomit. According to everything, this is super duper crazy, nutty drunk. But mm. she was not acting like that, right. which we can, I guess, surmise is because of tolerance. So that's all the information that we really get from the medical examiner, uh, along with no photos. This is very lazy police work. That's not a lot yeah. to discuss. Yeah. But they close the case. They close it. They say, OK, mm. um, this is an accident. She fell. And that's all. Bye-bye. Her family was like, I'm sorry, we don't, I'm sorry, what? We can't even, we don't even know what happened. Like, we can't see. The first time I read that, my brain went, but how did she die? Right. How did, what part of this tells me how she died? You don't lay it out for me at all. No, no. And that could easily have been, like, even the first police who, like, dropped her off was like, she either fell off this balcony or she was pushed. They don't explore the push thing at all. They They don't even explore it a little bit. They say they found a cigarette and a lighter on the balcony. 
clearly indicative that she was anticipating to smoke. They assume that she sat up on the railing for no reason. There's a hundred chairs on the porch yeah. and her ashtray is on the porch. She'd been smoking out there all night, but they say she went up to sit on the railing or leaned over to vomit and fell off. Right. Okay. So then they hit the reinvestigation, right? Okay, we're, we're back into like... And then where's the vomit? There was none. There was a couple unknown foreign bodies in the grass, which looked like someone spat out a chunk of chewed up bread. Yeah. But there wasn't like vomit and she ate gumbo seconds before going out there. Mm -hmm. So there would be real obvious barf. Mm -hmm. And that didn't happen. So then they reinvestigate, right? Okay, good. That's what we want. According to Rolling Stone, quote, as the details of the case came out, it became clear that multiple parts of the investigation had gone wrong. Well, I'll say, right? Working on the assumption that Horsford's death was the result of an accident and not foul play, the crime scene had not been preserved with potential evidence contaminated and witnesses not immediately interviewed. So what that means is that Bridget threw away all the cigarette butts afterwards. Mm -hmm. She cleaned up after the cops were there and threw everything away because okay. Bridget cleans up. Yes, she does. <clears throat> and she also like wiped everything down. Oh, Bridget. Yep, nobody fingerprinted anything either. Oh, boy. Yep, no DNA is collected, no fingerprints, nothing. Then Bridget wipes the whole scene down because John was really upset, so she had to clean the house for her. Okay. Oh, boy. <clears throat> the public speculation largely focused on Jose Barrera, the boyfriend of the homeowner and party host, because at the time of Tamla's death, Barrera was employed by the Solicitor General's office as a pretrial officer for the Forsyth County court system. But Barrera was fired from this position December of that year, so just a month later, after he was found looking up information about Tamala's case while on the job. So on police computers, he was trying to find out what they knew. Okay. That's us too. Yeah. That's, they fired him for it. Mm -hmm. They didn't investigate him. Mm. But they fired him. So now he's not their problem. Not a good look, right? Quote, authorities had already disclosed that Barrera had been let go for searches related to Horsford's case, but Barrera was also the center of another important debate. Whether or not Tamla's left arm had been moved. Remember I told you the arm was in a weird spot? Mm -hmm. It looks like she had been dragged. If you look at the pictures, it looks like somebody grabbed her by the arm and dragged her. If you, I, please don't do this. Please, please don't do this. But if by chance you see the picture of her face, it also looks like her face had been dragged through that grass. The way it is like stuck to her and on her. It doesn't look like she was just laying in it. It looks like it was like moved okay. on it. Okay. So I can see why people think that. Mm -hmm. However, statements from Barrera and the homeowner, John Myers, recall Horsford being found with both arms at her side. Did someone move her left arm, perhaps, to check for vitals? According to a supplemental report from Forsyth County, Barrera admitted it to a call with Lieutenant Andy Kalin. The supplemental report essentially advised that Barrera telephonically contacted Investigator Kalin. Basically, he called this guy before the cops got there to ask him what to do. Called okay. another cop and said, well, what do I do? On November, and then he called again on November 7, 2018, and advised that, they, that, um, oh, the investigator Kalen said, oh, well, he probably checked her arm for a pulse. But Jose Barrera, you know, ever the smartest guy in the room said, no, I definitely didn't do that. I know I didn't check her for a pulse. There's no way. There's no way you checked her for a pulse? Why are you admitting that? Right. You're not supposed to look, you're supposed to look for a pulse. You didn't know she was dead. Quote, you quote unquote, didn't know she was dead. The GBI report also revealed information about the relationship between this cop and Jose Barrera, who worked together at the courthouse before this happened. So they're friends. This guy is trying to cover for his friend, essentially. And we also find out that Jose had been fired before for lying about having a relationship with a woman he worked with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he's doing great. 
And then there's Officer Mike Christian. Strap in for this guy. The GBI also report uh, also reveals new details concern uh, with concerns relating to the lead investigator from Forsyth County, Mike Christian. And if it sounds like I'm reading, this is the Rolling Stone that I'm quoting. In October of 2020, Christian resigned from the FCSO. Remember, I told you he quit amid an international affairs investigation into allegations that Christian sent multiple women with whom he was having extramarital affairs, confidential information about his case. You think he's a real looker, but he's not. In a statement in January 2021, Christian defended himself, saying that the women who complained, whose complaint triggered the IA investigation had been acting out of hurt. So they were just butthurt about him dumping them. Quote, I am far from a perfect human. I chose to end a long-term extramarital relationship abruptly. This person, out of anger and hurt, chose to go to Sheriff Freeman with a list of alleged misconduct on my part. In 2020 hindsight, I would would not have resigned, but stayed for the investigation and taken what punishment was fitting up to termination. As is, the AI investigation lacks my side of the story and makes me out to be something I am not. All the good I had ever done in 16 years of law enforcement is gone with this document. The IA investigation ultimately found um, him to have violated his oath as an office and neglected his duty. Um, You better bet I'm going to tell you what he said in that Snapchat. Strap in. Quote, well, what well, kind of slept? Hello, sir. I know we've never met. This is like him pretending to talk to um, Tamala's husband. Mm-hmm. Hello, sir. I know we've never met, but I'm here to tell you that your wife and the mother of your six children is dead. Oh, yes, I am happy to report that she was really, really drunk, tripped, landed face down in the backyard and either through hypothermia, positional asphyxia, or aspirated on her own puke. Not sure which one. I know you have fun memories. Enjoy corralling these six boys who are now going apeshit. And then there's another quote to this woman. This is a different conversation wherein he says, do you need me to come over there and fuck you in front of everybody? Is that what you want, my little whore? You want people to see you get fucked? Then the next time he messages her, greetings from a racist cracker bastard murdering cover-up land. How are you? It's a nice rainy day. Good for digging shallow graves by the roadside. And in this, he's referring to a woman whose last name is Graves that was very good friends with Tamala and who had published a lot of information that really kind of shines a light on the fact that these women were not all telling the truth. Wow. Yeah, that, this is, that's, I'm reading Snapchats from the cop. This is proven that he said those things. It is fucking insane. Jeez. And that's not the first time he has referred to himself as a racist cracker bastard. There are other snaps wherein he says that about assuming black people deserved crimes that happened to them. Mm. And there's pictures of him holding like mammy dolls. Right. Yeah. No. Tell me again, Mike, about all the good you could have done and all the good we're forgetting. Tell me again, because I forgot. Then the Horsford's lawyer, Ralph Fernandez, um, who was never loving the way this investigation was going, said the family had their own investigation and made the uh, letter that I read before. He talks about how there are no autopsy photos. There actually were five autopsy photos taken. They're all with Tamala's clothing on and none of them document all of her injuries. They're just straight up pictures, which is totally not protocol. There was no um, sexual abuse testing done, no DNA collected, no fingernails. And they're like, what the fuck, man? Where, what happened? You don't know that somebody wasn't trying to assault her and this happened. You don't know that. The county medical examiner said in his thing, oh, oh, also in the private autopsy report, they say that she didn't have the injuries that the county medical examiner said she had. So he said she doesn't have a broken neck. Technically, he's right. She technically doesn't have a broken neck. She has a partially dislocated atlas joint, which 
could easily kill you, but she doesn't have a broken neck. So they can say that. And she doesn't have any like spinal injuries. She has that compression fracture, but you know, I guess they didn't see it in their one x-ray. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't have any catastrophic spinal injuries. That is true. And she does have defensive wounds. She has scratches up and down her arms and wounds on her hands, which Mm -hmm. wouldn't just happen from a fall. They would happen if you were struggling and grabbing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Also, they lean on the fact that the previous coroner said she dislocated her wrist and it's not a dislocation. It's an open distal radial fracture. Way Mm. different. And it's gross to look at. Um, This medical examiner also says, um, because there's not a lot of blood, it's only a little bit of blood. And the, the, I don't know, maybe you can tell me this, Leslie, but her bone has come through her skin and it's just a little bit of blood. And so this medical examiner says, I think that this is post-mortem because you don't actively bleed when you're dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, unless there was just something like cut off. Yeah, I don't. Okay, I have no oh, answer to that. Yeah, okay. I don't know if it's not a okay. particularly bloody injury or if it yeah, is. Yeah, so she and she's like a thin woman. Um, she's like a hundred fifty-six pounds, five foot six. Yeah, I would say okay. So. Yeah, I mean, okay, okay. I maybe this is what the um high blood alcohol content though, because you bleed quicker with alcohol. You do. Okay, so if she broke, if she broke her wrist, but then from laying there, maybe it like punctured through. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, that's something that nobody actually comes up with, and you're right. It could have through the pressure of laying there, the bone Mm -hmm. could have just eventually come through post mortem. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, But they're trying to say that, like, this was done while trying to dispose of her body. I don't think it's indicative of that because it looks like she tried to catch herself. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know what? I can't really say. And they they do catalog it incorrectly. So there's I I can't argue with them. They definitely do that. It just looks to me that this whole report is lazy. It looks very lazy. Yeah. Um, But it started off that way. Exactly. It's just keeps being that lazy. I just don't. I don't know. So do these injuries... Oh, also the family forensic um, anthropologist suggests that these falls, these injuries do not look like they're indicative of a fall. Okay. I, I can't say that for sure. You can you can get them from a fall, yeah. for sure. I looked every single one of them up. It took forever. But as I said, if you look at the first response to all of them, it's a car accident because it's something usually where you've rattled around. Um. To, to get all of them. And the fact that she just hit the right side of her body, but she was laying face down is very strange. And there's no movement afterwards either. There's no like, nothing is disturbed. There's no sign that she like crawled around or wiggled right. or no blood. Could she have fallen like to the side and then landed flat? I guess, but she would have had to have immediately died on impact. And I don't know that that's what happens but the second a, you fall like that. But the But she has an impact on her side, yes. right? So I could see if she fell mm-hmm. and bopped her head and then went f- and then yeah. collapsed straight down. Yeah, I suppose. But if she did catch herself with her wrist too, it's weird to just like collapse straight down immediately. Well, which wrist is it that and it's that side, it's right? It's her right side. Everything's so right. So she probably, okay, so she fell yeah. on her, if she was falling on her side mm-hmm. and then put her arm out. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. It's like, all like very I, strange. I know, but it could be, because, okay, so 14 feet, yeah, you don't usually die from that height. But she also could have been sitting on a railing. We don't know. I mean, there right. could have been an extra couple feet added to it. Yeah. But 
And so, yeah, I, I, I guess I, I guess I could visualize. Right. If you, if you are told you have to make this work, yeah. you can. I could visualize her coming down at an angle. Right. Having her arm out to mm. brace her fall. And, but it being like a speed. So she's sure. going to just go through that mm-hmm. and then her head is going to hit. Yep. And if it's cold outside, the ground might be a little harder. Sure. And then she, so she does that and then she's not going to stay on her side like that. Right. But then she, that might be why it looks like a weird lay because of yeah. how she, because of how her body then turned. Right. And that's why her face isn't sideways because it hit sideways yeah. and then her body rolled. So then her head would be straight into the ground. This is also like uh, countering for like zero flail during the fall. But there's not much time for flail because she is not. kind of close. So if you are forced to make it work, you definitely can. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a little, I think that we have to kind of stretch our brain a little bit to see where it happened. Maybe not. And maybe this is how it happened. I We don't really know. The point of this is that this is incredibly lazy police work and we don't really know. Yeah. If, if you had like, that. Why wouldn't they have, like, at this point, I'd have, like, mannequins out there. Yeah, like, you'd be dropping something it. off. You'd be seeing what happened. A hundred percent. Speed and weight and... The, and and one of the only ways that your body doesn't sustain a whole lot of broken bones when you fall is if you're totally limp. Yeah. Yeah. You mm-hmm. tense up, you break bones. Right. Well, that's why they say, if, like, again, we'll go through a car accident. So mm-hmm. if you, the car flips, you're supposed to cross your hands onto your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And um, that helps you, like, calm down. Yeah. And that um, is, you're more likely to, like, not sustain any injuries yeah. and survive, like, a car flipping. That makes perfect sense. So, yeah, she would have had to have been totally limp and fall straight Mm -hmm. down. And we are also like, you know, if you're her lawyer, you're relying on the fact that most of these falls, the injuries that you incur afterwards are lower extremity breaks and bruises Mm -hmm. and not anything like this or Mm -hmm. spine injuries. She doesn't have any of that. Her whole back is fine. Right. It's, It's strange. If you had to ask me, it looks more like she fell down the stairs and there are stairs right there. And then someone dragged her out into the spot she was in and walked away. Okay. Because stairs, you would like kind of tumble and you would have the bruising because there are some bruises on her head that are indicative of just a minor head injury. They're Mm -hmm. not like lethal. Um, The little nicks on her shins, she could have avoided her face. You have a little more control when you're falling down the stairs. You can turn your head out of it. But wouldn't there be more bruises on the arms, you think? Maybe. And like, I feel like there'd be more bruising if she fell down the stairs. I don't know. I don't know. But I see where you're going. You know what I mean? It just, it seems like it was like more of a rattle around thing. And also like the neck injury is a rebound injury. That, that is going to be from your head hitting and you like kind of bouncing. That's why it's mostly in car accidents. As far as I can read, it's not, it's Mm -hmm. not like necessarily direct impact. Or if she was pushed the speed, like you gain speed. So it's a faster hit. Or if she was unconscious and she was thrown off the balcony. Yeah. Barely conscious. Yeah. There are a lot of other options that they just did not, um, they just didn't consider them at all. Also, in the original investigation, everybody at that party wasn't questioned right away and they were all kept in a room together and they were allowed to talk about what happened. Oh, no. And then the interviews happened at Jean's house, at which point in time, Jean gave all the police officers gift cards to Dunkin' Donuts and Aunt Madeline baked them cookies. Well, sounds like a nice day. Yeah, and in the in the interview with her, you hear her say, "Oh, but I got you all these, but like, I know I'm not supposed to give them to you because it looks it could look bad that I'm like trying to buy 
Mm. What the fuck are you doing? It's just strange because it's like if they if if they are innocent, mm-hmm. they are acting not innocent. Well, we also, it's not even that they're just so ignorant, fucking rude. Yeah, they're rude. Yeah. We also find out later that Bridget absolutely did give her meds to other people, even though she said she never did. Her medication was her. She never gave anyone's eggs. Oh, there are sure text chains. Did. Yeah. Where she gave it to Stacy and John. Yeah. People have gotten it from her. And she told the cops in her original interview, and this makes me laugh so hard, that um, she can't lie because her medication is like truth serum. Right. And it makes it so she can't lie. I'm sorry. Alprazolam is a sedative, basically. It's not truth yeah. serum. It makes you less nervous, but it doesn't make you... T- it makes you probably better at lying you're not spoken, nervous. Spoken like a true liar. Well, yeah. I mean, like, as someone spoken who is... like someone high on Zeta. Exactly. As someone who has taken Alprazolam, it, 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 that's not what it does. Also, it's not one of those, like, magic key medications. It works the same on everyone. Mm-hmm. If you're nervous, it makes you sleepy. If you're not nervous, it makes you sleepy. It does the same thing. It's not like, say, Adderall. And um, if you are listening to this podcast, chances are you've, you've probably taken Adderall or you <laughs> should start. Um, where if you have the problem, if you have ADHD, it makes you focus. But if not, yeah. it makes you like cracked out. Right. This is not one of those things. Right, right. It just is kind of a makes you spacey and, and tired no matter what mm-hmm. is wrong with you. So why? Like, why any of this? Why? Why is what is this? What is happening? Right. Remember that I told you you should take a look at Forsyth County, Georgia? It has a pretty gnarly racist history. Um, complete with its own racial cleansing. That's the real words. Oh, boy. Yeah, that left the black population pretty much totally wiped out. According to the New York Times in an article written by Jonathan Wiseman in May of 2022, quote, Cummings, Georgia, in October 1912, after they raped, After the rape and brutalized body of May Crow, a white 18-year-old was laid to rest beside the Pleasant Grove Baptist Church, the white men of Forsyth County went on a rampage, driving its 1,098 black citizens, about 10% of the population, from Forsyth's borders. So they were chased out with, like, pitchforks. They had already dragged 24-year-old Rob Edwards, a black man, from a jail cell in the Cummings Town Square, beat him with crowbars, riddled his corpse with bullets, and hoisted it over a telephone pole yard arm. Then two black teens, Ernest Knox and Oscar Daniel, would hang after the most specious of trials. So they like really were not obviously guilty. They just hanged them. Mm -hmm. But the citizens of this county north of Atlanta were not done. For much of the 20th century, they would guard Forsyth's borders as the city to the south encroached. Through violence, intimidation, and menacing understanding in greater Atlanta that this county was to remain for whites only. The people who drove Forsyth's black residents from their homes and farms had no name for their hatred, no great replacement or white genocide theories. But the notion that other races were plotting to replace the rightful inhabitants of the county took murderous form more than a century ago. Holy shit. And it hasn't gotten a whole like lot better. Forsyth has never had any um, whites only soda fountains or water fountains or pools or anything. There was no segregation in Forsyth because there were no black people. That's interesting. Yep. Cummings, Georgia, has remained a sundown town well into the 90s with a large and public KKK presence as well. I was going to ask that. Yep. Like in the late 80s, early 90s, they were marching through the streets in their hoods. Yeah. Now, if you guys don't remember what a sundown town is, it is a place where the population said that when the sun goes down, all black people have to be out or they will kill them. Mm Mm-hmm. 
What episode did we talk about that in? Oh, God, I don't remember. It was a while ago. I'll have to look. Well, regardless, some people say it remains a sundown town to this day, Cummings, that is. And let me tell you guys something. That's true. These There are places that are still uh, not very welcoming of any people of color after the sun goes down. Mm-hmm. The racism in Forsyth County is so ingrained, you could practically wring it out of the soil. Mm. So it's no wonder that this crime seems like it could be racially motivated. So what do people think happened? There are several theories, of course. Some people think that these women invited Tamla with the intention of killing her. They think that this was a planned thing. This was, they wanted to kill a black woman. And they got her real drunk and slipped some Xanax into her gumbo or into, you know, whatever she had right before. And then they threw her off the balcony or they beat her to death and threw her body off the balcony. Though it doesn't really look like that. Yeah, she doesn't look beaten up really. But okay. Two of the couples that were there, there's only a couple couples there, so I feel like we know who they were, were uh, apparently swingers. And some people think that they had propositioned her to be involved in their activities of the evening. She said no. They got too aggressive and she ended up falling over the balcony. Okay. All right. So hold on. I'll pause you there for that one. Because if we we know who the couples were yep. and one of those couples was would have been Stacy mm-hmm. and that was the one she was closer with mm-hmm. so that could like if it was going to be one of them it would have probably been Stacy and her husband mm-hmm. like propositioning it a little bit and there are a lot of people who have serious suspicions about Jose because he did all the calling of he course he inspected yeah. the body and he just knew she was dead he didn't have to look. He just knew she was dead. Right. So a lot of people think that he snuck that Xanax into her food. And then after his girlfriend fell asleep, he came back out and was talking to her and propositioned her. And she said no. And things yeah. turned aggressive. So this is interesting that that's the vibe. Because that, like, that's where my brain Me was too. going. Me too. Originally, as you were telling the story, like, if if this wasn't an accident. Yep. Here's how I could see this going. Right. and. Then there are pe- uh, there are plenty of people who think that what happened is that he was backing her up and she fell down the stairs. Mm. Once she landed, he freaked out, dragged her body to mm-hmm. where it landed, straightened her out, went inside and waited for somebody to find her in the morning to make it look like she had fallen off the balcony. Yeah. Okay, that could have also... To me, that is what fits... The crime scene the most. Where it's not, where it wasn't like, it still was an accident. Her full unlit cigarette and lighter were out there. Yeah. She didn't smoke that cigarette in the 10 minutes she was outside. She was outside for 10 minutes. Right. Unless she smoked one and then went in and got another one. And that's why she came back out. That's possible. Yeah. She's going to smoke back-to-back cigarettes by herself outside in the cold. Yeah. I guess maybe. Mm, Maybe. Yeah. But. There is also a theory, I mean... There are some people who think she was killed on purpose, like she was murdered proper. And then mm. they hit it by throwing her bal- her body over the balcony or throw- throwing her like in a, co- a compromised state over the balcony, which would align with the with the injury she has. She would have been noodly and limp, but a little lucid enough to put her arm down and that's it. That mm. makes sense to me. Like I said, to get those specific injuries, you would have to be like pretty out of it when you fell over the balcony. Yeah. But there are also people who think that, again, this was like an accident, like she was having a conversation or she got in an argument or 
she was propositioned and she fell over or down the stairs. And then they just were like, well, we have to make this look like she did it herself. So they staged it to look like she fell off mm-hmm. the balcony. Interesting. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Her family isn't even saying that it wasn't an accident. They're like, we don't know that it was an on-purpose thing. We don't yeah. know that it was or not. What we do know is that, like, we need to know exactly what happened because your facts are not straight. Yeah, I think that's that's where I'm at, where yeah. I don't know. And I'm glad that the family feels that way, where they're, Same. it's mostly just like, we just don't know what happened. And it's very apparent that, like, I, I think it's apparent that in one way or another, Jose knows more than he's saying mm-hmm. because he's a cop. He's the one that knew all the cops. He knew the cops that were coming. He talked to the cops during and before and after the investigation. He tried to look up what was going on and got fired for it. Like, Mm -hmm. this guy was in it. Right. Whether it was on behalf of someone else or himself is, we we can't say. But it seems to me like that he had to have known something. Otherwise, he was acting very Mm -hmm. strangely. And I'd like to look through some of these people's closets. Yeah. In July of 2021, the reinvestigation ended and the GBI agreed with the Forsyth County's official, uh, original assessment. This was an accident. She was drunk and fell. The end. But, but it's not really, is it? Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't feel right. And not for Tamla's family or her friends. Her change.org petition is still going strong. They're looking to take her case to um, end the police corruption surrounding it to the FBI, which I'm shocked has not gotten involved yet. Yeah. This is not a federal case for them at all. Mm-hmm. Police corruption. Okay. So here's the last update we have. And it's on the change.org petition from August 12, 2022. So it's been a while. I have been getting a lot of questions on the status of Tamla Horsford's case and what people can do to help her family get justice. Currently, the Forsyth County Sheriff's Office and Prosecutor's Office is succeeding at harassing anyone that is asking questions and trying to get justice, which is why I have been so quiet. But there is strength in numbers. The best thing you can do to help Tamla's family get justice is by contacting these people directly, demanding that they help look into her case and the corruption in Forsyth County that help those responsible get away with murder. People you can contact. And then there's um, Kristen Clark, Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights, and her contacts, the new U.S. Attorney for Georgia appointed by President Joe Biden, U.S. Attorney Ryan K. Buchanan, his contacts. Lastly, you can contact the FBI. And I will put this all up linked so you guys want to see it, you can. If enough people contact these people, hopefully that would cause the FBI to take a look into her case, all those responsible for covering it up. And as we have seen this week, no one is above the law. No one. You can also ask the sheriff any questions you have about the case on their Facebook page. There's a link to the Facebook page. We will provide a link to this petition and to all of Tamla's Justice 4 pages so that you can explore them for yourself in the show notes this week. And that's basically where we stand. I mean, there's a lot of little details here and there. And really, this is something that you guys are going to have to comb through the files if you're interested and read them all yourself. Because, I mean, I could do 10 hours on this Mm -hmm. trying to tell you everything that has been uncovered. And there's a lot more weird little suspicious things that make it seem like these women are lying. And all of their interviews with the police, they sound really put out, like they don't want to be there and they're just annoyed. Stacey at one point cries a little bit, but like, this is not, no one is grieving. Yeah. And at one point when they have like the moment where Jean's like, here's some gift cards. She's like, okay, is that all you need for me? Or can I go get ready for this funeral? A lot of people don't love that phrasing. She doesn't say, or can I like go prepare to like bury my friend? Can I go get ready for my friends? Can I go get ready for Tamla's funeral? Right. Yeah. I mean, I know that they didn't know her very long. Right. 
I don't think it would matter to me. That person was in my house the whole night and they died on my property. Yeah. If anything, I'd be like gossiping about it the whole time. Like, oh Oh, my God. And I would be inconsolable. I'd be freaked the fuck out. And um, they all moved shortly after. None of Mm. them live there anymore. Jose doesn't live in the country. They all moved into different counties. They left the house like shortly after. They sold that big house shortly after this happened. Two cops. Yeah. They sold the big house where this crime scene occurred. Two cops. Yeah. There's just a lot of like, well, why? Yeah, that's that's interesting. It's fishy, fishy, fishy. It really is. So, yeah. That's all we have. I mean, that's all that I can provide in this time span. And I've already gone on forever. But I will provide links so that you guys can explore everything that you want to explore. If you want to listen to all the interviews, they're very readily available. Where did Jose move to? It just says not in the country. And then, I mean, okay. And then I, this is interesting though, because he's not like, he's not white. No. So. No, he's Hispanic. Yeah. But he's a cop. I know. And he's not black. Yeah. And he works with and for all white people and if he's killing a black woman they're probably the, the guy that the guy that sent that snapchat probably doesn't give a shit about that or high-fived him so maybe yeah mm-hmm. and there still is definitely the possibility that this was some kind of like let's kill the black lady thing we we, we just we really don't know that it wasn't yeah the, the town the whole county has such a horrific history with racial violence that like yeah. Never went away. It just never really went away. And did they, um, where did um, Tamala and her family live? In Cummings. And to this day, there is only under 8% of the population of this area is black people. There's mm-hmm. like no black, the, she probably was the only black person these women knew. Yeah. And they moved there for his job. Yeah. Only five years prior to this. Job. Yeah. So they didn't have like a lot of experience in this town. Yeah. She just was like, well, I guess this is going to be a lot like Miami where I have tons of friends and I'm happy and living my best life. And it definitely wasn't. Yeah. So That's really sad. Yeah, it's super sad. And um, also possibly a hate crime. I, right. At the end of the day, um, I, I don't know that we can actively prove that this was a hate crime based on what we have no. right now. But what mm. I can say is that it wasn't investigated probably because she was black. Right. I think that part of it is pretty suspicious because mm-hmm. if it was Stacy or Jean who had who had been found in the backyard, there would have been every cop in the county combing that yeah. backyard for what happened to them, or all those women would have been laying on the ground sobbing beside her. Mm-hmm. It would not. It would not be so passive and that nobody gave a shit and they were like, whatever. Yes, yeah, some of the reactions that again, even if they, even if this was all accidental, mm-hmm. it still is just telling of the kinds of people Mm. (laughs) in the town I don't know I don't know I know it's just not the reactions are not what I would expect in the um in the handling of the scene is not no it's wild it's not well done not at all yeah it was miserably attended to and uh yeah so okay toast toast obviously to Tamla Yes, and her family. Gosh, that was so fun. Really did. I huh? just looked at a picture of her with her um little PJs on. She's so cute. It was really cute. I know. I would have hung out with her. Mm-hmm. 
we also have a patron <gasps> to toast. Yay! Who are we toasting? Cheers to Jenna. Cheers, Jenna. Thank you for becoming a best fiend. Yes. Hopefully we'll see you at our Let's Talk Docs. Yes. Sesh. Have you in March. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. I'm excited. Uh, this is one of those cases where um, the we would be dead end of this, our podcast, this doesn't feel like it applies mm-hmm. so much. But I guess, uh, how, do, how would we have been dead? We said it earlier. If we tripped over, what, what did they <laughs> Landscaping. Say? Yeah, because yeah, we're very clumsy. So yeah. if we tripped over the landscaping, we, we would, would be, be dead. dead. Yeah, we would. <laughs> Both of us are unlucky enough to have that happen. Yes. Oh, Lord. Okay. I actually have stitches in my foot <laughs> from slicing it open from falling over the landscaping at my house at like four o'clock in the morning. Of course you do. And I couldn't walk because it hurt so bad that I had to drag myself like to <gasps> oh, the back no! door because I Leslie! couldn't get in the front door. I had to go to the back door and there was blood everywhere. Well, see, it's very bloody when that happens. When there's no blood, nobody came to get me. Damn it. Blood out. That's right. So see? Yeah. I still have stitches or you, you can see, you can see the cut in my foot. Oh Lord. All right, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the We Would Be Dead podcast. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode. Rate and review our show on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at WouldBeDeadPod. And join our Facebook group to discuss the podcast and more. The best thing you can do to help Tamla's family get justice is by contacting these people directly, demanding that they help look into her case and the corruption in Forsyth County that help those responsible get away with murder. Kristen Clark, Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights, the new U.S. Attorney for Georgia appointed by President Joe Biden, U.S. Attorney Ryan K. Buchanan. You can also ask the sheriff any questions you have about the case on their Facebook page. Lastly, you can contact the FBI. We will provide a link to all of Tamla's Justice 4 pages so that you can explore them for yourself in the show notes this week.